Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Married Men Don't Talk Show. Phone lines are open right now, but this show is strictly for men only. We have a few rules, and they are absolutely no profanity, no politics, and no racial stuff. This show is apolitical and race neutral so that we can make sure that any man can feel comfortable on our show. And this ain't Bible study. Tonight's topic is karma. My name is Rodney, and I'll be your host, along with my co-hosts, Tony and Darren. If you do have something to say, please feel free to do so, or if you prefer to listen, that's absolutely fine as well, but please find your mute button and kindly put your phone on mute. All right, with all of that said, let's get started. I want to start with a clip, if I might. This is only 10 seconds, fellas. Now, that was a snippet from Alicia Keys' 2004 single entitled Karma off of her second album. Alicia sings, what goes around comes around, what goes up must come down. Now, who's crying, desiring to come back to me? And then she repeats. So, fellas, is Alicia right? Is she right? About what, whatever happens, it comes back? Exactly. I think eventually it does. talking about... Go ahead. Go ahead, Andrew. No, I said I think eventually it does. I think it it all comes back around. Kind of like a love. I don't universe. think Alicia was talking from a. Go ahead. Kind of like kind of like a law of the universe. I mean, you do somebody dirty, it's gonna come back on you. Mm-hmm. I think from her perspective, I don't think she's talking about. I don't think she was talking from a, a belief standpoint. I believe she was talking about what should be. I believe karma is something that should be. If you do something wrong to somebody, then you should get that returned to you. Mm-hmm. And that's the same law. If we believe the same way she believed, then our belief would be reaping and sowing. Gotcha. Does anybody have an ex that secretly wants you back? All of us. <laughs> yes, sir. You do? <laughs> Why I don't do you know think if I want me back. <laughs> she might want me dead, but not back. <laughs> yeah, my Man, ex want me back. You... She told me. Why? Why does she want you back? Because when she got outside of the, the grass or outside of the yard, there's nothing else out there that was that, that was comparable. And I'm not tooting my own horn, but it when you, it's hard to find a good man as well as it, it's hard to find a good woman. So if you find a good man and then you try to go out there and find somebody that meet or match and you can't find, then you're going to always be close. 
and that's what she told me she was going through. She said that um, every time I started talking to a guy, she started comparing him to me, to him, and he ended him, or she, he ends up leaving her because he's like compete with somebody else that don't even want you. Hmm. And then Anybody she comes else? back and tell me. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. I thought you were finished. Go ahead. She comes back and tells nah, you. No, she comes. She comes back and tells me when she came. When she comes to our house, she still feels like a family. She she feels awkward sleeping downstairs. She feels different. Finally, to go in there and cook a meal for her family, and I'm I just leave my mouth open like what are you talking about why are you talking to me about this hmm. anybody else anybody else have an ex that secretly wants you back or just Darren Andrew you said your ex wanted you dead <laughs> Maybe. I think mine is under that category. <laughs> Let's go like this. Um, when she left me, she told me she was going to destroy me. Oh, jeez. Physically, mentally, spiritually, financially. But make no mistake, I will destroy you. And she tried. Um, and I saw her. We didn't share any children, so we had no, no reason to have any contact. Um, but um, I saw her several years later, and I, you know, had moved on and remarried, and she was still mad, like eight, nine years later. Mm. Amazing. What did you do to her? Name it, I did it. I mean, it was it was it was on both ends. It wasn't just one one deal, you know. But, okay, um, well, what did you do to her? What did I do to her? Yeah, mean, to make her I feel like her she wants or in the relationship. In the relationship, when she said that I want to, de- when she said I want to destroy you, what brought um, her to well, the whole work? By that point, I was um, I was trying to make my marriage work. And she was um, dealing with somebody else. But um, I was just, you know, like, wow, you know. It, it was one of those those, minute, those moments when you realize you're sleeping with the enemy. And um, So she was, she was sleeping with somebody else, but she wanted to destroy you because you divorced her? No, 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 I didn't divorce her. She divorced me. Um, I had an affair a few years earlier, and then she had an affair, and the affair she had was not her fault, it was my fault, because I had an affair a couple of years earlier, and um, she was leaving me, and she wanted to destroy me, but by that point, I wanted to make my marriage work, but she didn't, and I said, well, you know, we can get through this, you know, both of us have, have stepped out, and... You know, I'm willing to do what I got to do to make it work. And she said, I, you know, make no mistake, I'm going to destroy you. Mm-hmm. So healed and, uh, from you cheating on her. I'm sorry? She, it Say seems it like she never healed 
she never yeah, healed well, from you cheating. But but it would it was it was a much deeper situation than that, really. Um, I don't have time to go through all the details, but her whole life—that's what she'd seen. Okay, her dad stepped out on her mom, and then her first husband stepped out, and so she stepped out, and then um, she got with me, and, and I mean, it was just the same kind of same kind of deal, you know. And um, so she was in the get back. If you do this, I'm gonna get you back. So, you know, what goes around comes around. Very yeah. And speaking of that, I mean, you said her her father stepped out. Right. And do you think that was, that had anything to do with karma, you know, she being cheated on in, in her marriage? Oh, yeah. You know, from the point I'm at now, I see the whole picture. You know, at the point I was at then, I didn't understand, you know, um, when I met her, you know, um, she was married and her husband was gone, and 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 I was, you know, I I had girlfriends and stuff, and and you know, so she told me that um, that you know, um, that that God, she was praying to God whether uh, she was a Christian, I wasn't, but she was praying to God whether she should make her marriage work, and God sent me her, and I was like, praise Lord, thanks for the snatch. <laughs> I'm serious. I don't care if you're a Hare Krishna, a Christian, a Buddhist. If you were giving up the nookie, I was taking it. You know, and the crazy thing was, <laughs> I'm not going to go into all the details, but it was crazy time, you know. And, you know, like I, I know a lot of y'all ain't been out there, but if, if if you've been out there, you know what I mean. I mean, you just out there to get some. And if a girl says yes, you're going to take it. And it didn't matter to me, you know. And, uh, you know, her husband was in the military. When her husband came back, I was like, okay, I'm done, you know. And then one day she shows up knocking at my door with a trench coat on and nothing else. So what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? What do you do? <laughs> you know, so especially back in those days, you giving it up, taking it. You know, and she's praising Jesus, and I'm praising along with him. Thank you, Jesus. Bring me some more snacks. <laughs> and then the crazy thing, the crazy thing, that Rodney, this will blow you away. Ten years later, um, we had gotten married, and ten years later, she stood right in my face and said the same exact thing that she said to me. Um, she said, you know, I was praying whether I should make my marriage work, and God sent me some other guy. Verbatim. Mm. It's like, wow. Uh, you know, Crazy. I think most of the time when people say God did this and God did that, that's they made the decision and they they try to justify it because if it doesn't work out, then that can't be from God. Oh, absolutely. Know? First of all, you can't be married and God sends you somebody else. It doesn't. I mean, right. That's <laughs> just crazy. But I mean, you know, like I said, it was funny. Not funny, but. So literally, and, and, and Rodney, you know, Glenn and I, we meet with a lot of couples. Satan, does, he doesn't have new games. And people literally say the same words verbatim. And, and Glenn and I look at each other like, wow. You know, wow. And, and they don't, people don't realize that they're getting played. And they think, the, you know, the enemy is them. And that's not really the enemy. The person isn't really the enemy. But they're being played. <laughs> And they will use literally the same words verbatim. 
I've seen it in my life and in many people that we've counseled over the years. But I will tell you this. What goes around comes around. Mm-hmm. Are you thinking and is your ex- Huh? Is your ex remarried today? No, no. She's really doing bad. And, um, um, of course, it's my fault. You know. Is that per her or per you? Huh? Is that per her or per you? That she that 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 it's my fault. Yeah is 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 that what she's saying or that's what you oh, know absolutely. to be true? Absolutely. Okay. If wow. if I hadn't stepped out, she wouldn't have had to step out, and she wouldn't have had to leave me. So she wouldn't have had to leave her lifestyle. So the karma should be coming back on you because you seem to be happy. Well, what ended up happening was I got to a point of forgiveness where I could move on with my life. She never had. And what what she was trying to do was to continue to hurt me. Um, and what I was able to do finally was to get to a point of forgiveness so I could forgive her. See, through all this whole process is when I got saved. And, um, you know, I, I started going to church and they told me I had to pray for her. And Rodney, I don't know how else to say this except to say, pray for her. And they said, you got to pray for her. I said, I got a prayer. Lord, kill that bitch. That's a prayer. <laughs> Sorry for cussing, man, but I'm just telling you, that's where I was. And they said, you can't say that. I said, yes, I can. <laughs> uh, but the only way that I was able to move on, because it was a whole lot that went on, she really did try to, to destroy me. When I woke up, I had $19.76 in my bank accounts. That was plural, accounts. And I'm telling you, I had tens of thousands of dollars. She was in control. Um, she, uh, she did the books in my business, and I didn't even think about it. And she had opened up set, um, secret bank accounts and funneled tens of thousands of dollars into the bank accounts. It was a crazy time, um, you know, but that was her get back. And I had a choice to, you know, go after her and do those things or to get to a point of forgiveness. And in, in me, I want I wanted to take her out. I thought all kind of nice ways you to wanted, do it. You wanted huh? to take her out because of... Of your, you wanted to take her out because your money was missing, and she was trying to take you out for what you have well, done to her I as far as. And realized because she was blaming me for everything, and, and she was this Christian and calling me this and calling me that. When I realized that 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 she was, that's when I found out she was having the affairs, all that kind of stuff, and I was being attacked for being such a su- such a scumbucket. Find out she was ten times worse than me. Hmm. Sounds like so. I got pissed. Sounds like projection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Hey, hey Ronnie, you, you ever seen my um, my blue BMW? Yes. Okay. You notice I don't drive it much, right? No, not at all. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the battery goes dead more than I drive it. Okay. And that was because um, I got that car from my ex-wife um, because she wanted a BMW. I don't care. Well, three months after I got 
the BMW for her, she decides um, she's going to leave me and, and let her, her, her other Negro drive my $60,000 BMW that I'm paying for. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I said, oh, no, that's when I, when I finally woke up. I was like, oh, hell to the no. <laughs> and mm. I went up, and she was hiding it and all kind of stuff like that. And I snatched that sucker. I locked it up, put it in the, in the garage, and didn't drive it for three years. I had three cars. <laughs> I couldn't stand it because it was a five-speed, and I don't like sticks. <laughs> but that's why I still have that car now. I still don't drive it. But when I got the car back, it had 52,000 miles. She In two years, she drove 52,000 miles, and I got it back in 2004 with 52,000 miles on it. And right now it has 72,000 miles on it 10 years later. Wow. Yeah. So. Okay. But, okay, let me ask you a question. Uh-huh. Now, the karma in this, we, we, we was having a conversation at work. And as we know, we've seen this woman get beat, or let's say this woman on the bus. A woman was on the bus, and she spit on the bus driver. And the oh, bus driver said, you just remember that? She spit on him, and he was driving the bus, and uh, and he was trying to tell her, you're going to jail. And right before he, right after he said, you're going to jail, he uppercut her and threw off the bus. Mm-hmm. Now... A lot of people were commenting and saying that she deserved, you know, uppercut. She she deserved to get punched like that and kicked off the bus because she spit on the bus driver, and that was karma. Mm-hmm. But as a man with that much energy uh, to defuse the situation, he used what he would use. It was another man that he was defusing the situation on. So that was a that was a karma reaction or a karma uh, type of that people were talking about in a situation where a husband and a wife are going back and forth with each other, and the husband uncovers the home and allows things to come into it. Mm-hmm. This caused the woman or the kids, in my opinion. It caused them, it caused the elements to be open to them to do everything under the sun uh, because the husband has exposed the home. Absolutely. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. And I felt like I deserved all of the crap that she gave me for three years because of it. Okay. Okay. And part of, a big part of why I took a lot of her crap is because I felt guilty for the things I had done. Um, okay. But finally, when I woke up and saw that the thing she was doing, and then I got mad. Okay. So in um, other words, in other words, you can dish it, but you couldn't take it, or it was too overbearing for you to to deal with at the time. Well, it, it was. I guess it was because she sat on her high horse and acted like her. Uh, her stuff didn't stink, and you know, pointing her, you know, holy hands up in the air, and 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 you know, calling me everything from this and to that, and to find out she's doing she's doing dirt ten times worse than me. So mm-hmm. I was pissed. You know, I mean, I was I was the worst thing since slime bucket. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, 
that's when I woke up and realized I had to protect myself because she was really trying to destroy me. Okay, uh, up until that point, I wasn't fighting. I was letting her, you know, because of my guilt. I was, I was, I felt it was my fault. I destroyed the home, the whole, you know. I, I set all these things in motion, and I deserved this. Um, but when, it's it's almost like it's almost like the Muslims and and the Isra- Israelites, the, the Is- Israelis. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you have a stated goal to destroy you, and there's nothing you can do, you have no right to exist, and we're going to push you into the sea, you can no longer negotiate. And I'm not trying to pick sides in their battle, but the, the, the Muslims are saying Israel has no right to exist, and we're going to push you into the sea. Well, if you, if you don't fight, that's what's going to end up happening. When she decided and she said, I'm going to destroy you, she really tried to. But it took me a long time to realize it's really hard to believe that, that a person that you've been with for that period, you know, 10 years that's you know, laying next to you is really, really trying to, 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 to hurt you. Well, let me ask you this. Well, what, what should the consequence, or how far should it go? What should the consequence be? And it's time, or how far should go, or the reaping and the sowing go when somebody do somebody? I mean, you can't slap me, and then when I punch you, you say, "Wait a minute, you—that's unfair. You—you you just punched me when I only slapped you." I mean, so what is the the fair line? Well, you got to understand the way I grew up. If you slap me, I'm going to punch you. If you stab me, I'm going to shoot you. Right. Okay. Because right, the way right. I grew up. If you hit me, I'm going to hit you harder so you won't hit me because I ain't no punk. Right. But that was just the New York that I grew up in. I didn't grow up in you forgive somebody. Somebody hits you, you hit them back harder. That sound about right, Tony? I don't know if Tony's yeah. online. But, yeah, he's not online now. But that's, that's, how, that's just how I was raised because the way I was raised is if you let somebody punk you, it's 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 like a bully. If a bully, if you don't if you don't punch a bully, you're just going to be his punk. We I got that. You know, that's why know, I said what's the con- what's the consequence? You know, because you that's you we we all on the same page with that. So right. in this so case, now, now for me, and again, um, there's a difference between and, and, and you know. Um, you not you not wanting to be married to me, and you trying to destroy me. That's a different situation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, if you don't want to be you, my wife, you, have you a want problem to with... that's fine. But you tried to destroy me. Hey, Andrew, did you have a problem when you slept with somebody and she slept with four people as the pay she to pay you back? Four people. Well, I, I don't know if she slept with four people. Well, you said she I did more she... than what you did. Do you have a problem that she went beyond what you did? No. Um, as and a you started of... the whole thing? No. As a matter of fact, when she, when I found out she slept with the other person, it wasn't about, oh, you did this, I'm going to get you back again. No. I felt like, you know, I started this, I deserve this, and you know what, both of us have been unfaithful. Let's make the marriage work. What did you mean when so you, you said like you found out she was way worse than you? Well, when I, what I mean was, 
I was not trying to destroy her. Now you say, well, if you had an affair, you didn't you didn't care about her. People say that. Okay, I was not trying to destroy her. Okay, if I went through all the things that 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 that, that she was doing and did, first of all, we'd be on the phone much longer than a lot of time, and that it's not about that. I'm just trying to tell you that her goal was not to divorce me. Her goal was to destroy me. I mean, to the point of when I got saved, um, she she literally went through my phone and pulled all my contacts off and 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 called each one of them people that she didn't even know to tell them that I was not uh, this man of God. As a matter of fact, even to this day, she doesn't believe I'm saved. Um, that I was not a man of God, and this is the things I had done. Wow. We're bringing it up to today. Oh, go ahead, brother. Go ahead, brother. I was going to say, that sounds like a, an obsession, and until she's able to let go of getting you back, she's not going to be able to progress. She's, she's just sitting in her wheels in, in position. The saddest thing, and really, what, I had to get to a point of forgiveness because, you know, when somebody hurts you, then you want to hurt them back. It's one thing, you know, you leave, I leave, whatever. But to actually go, I remember, it's great. I mean, she, it got so crazy um, when she left. And, um, and, you know, when you get married, you know, generally one person will put on the utilities in the house. They'll call the electric, the phone, the gas. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm not a detailed person. So when we built the house, she did that. And one day I came home, and this was after she left. And my son is sitting here, and he's, I guess, 18 or 19 at the time, in the dark. <laughs> wow. What the heck is this? He said, oh, no, Dad, the lights aren't working. The lights aren't working. The lights aren't working. This is in February. The lights aren't working. <laughs> I called the smack. I said, um, so how come my lights aren't working? You know, the bill's paid. And he said, uh, by order of the subscriber, we've terminated the service. So what are you talking about? You ter- I'm the su- subscriber. No, you're not, sir. Your wife is the subscriber, and she decided she wanted to turn the service off. I said, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> he said, no, sir. I said, please turn my lights back on. <laughs> okay. So then I called this is crazy. Now, at this point, she had reached for every straw she could and she couldn't do anything else to hurt me. So this is the only now it got funny. I had to laugh. I was like, Is that the best shot you got? Okay. Is that the best shot you got? Uh, you know, come on. <laughs> And and the next day I called the gas company and the phone company. And the gas company was about to come turn the gas off in February. Mm. Instead of her saying, switch it over, switch my name off and put his name on, she's going to shut the service off. Okay. So I caught the gas in time. I said, look, put, put it in my name. So they didn't turn the gas off and have me and my son freezing. Okay. And then I called the phone company. All right, and the phone company said, yeah, we're scheduled to turn your phone off tomorrow or the next day. So please don't turn the phone off. Please put it in my name. We can't do that, sir. She's canceled it, 
and it was in her name. I said, well, just put it in my name. We can't do that, sir. You have to get a whole new phone number. Mm. <laughs> and I just sat and laughed. I said, wow, that's the best you got? So like I said, there's a difference between, hey, you did this and it came back on you, and, and somebody trying to be vindictive to try to hurt you. There you go. But Andrew, so what I'm what I'm asking, I think what Malcolm is saying as well, you you say, Okay, I cheated on you with one lady, you cheated on me with one dude, fair is fair, you know. I, and what we're saying is you really can't choose your punishment. We really can't choose our punishment when we do something to someone and oh. expect it to be just another fair shot. You know what I mean? Because you don't know how deep that scar goes, especially when Absolutely. It, it hurt some. It, it hit another point from her dad and her ex-husband and other people in her Absolutely. life. Absolutely. That's why you got to make sure you know you got to keep your stuff in your pants because <laughs> it ain't worth it. I wasn't always a Christian, <laughs> and I know you know I've well, done some crazy stuff. What was that called? And, somebody um, else was saying something. I was just saying, uh, you asked uh, what, what was the, the time um, limit or the, the line uh, that karma can come back and, and, and bite you for what you've done. Um, I guess part of the equation is, is the amount of vindictiveness that one person has. If both people are willing to let it go and move on with their lives, then, then it can just dissolve and go on about its business. But if you got one person or both people who are actively trying to get at each other, that thing is going to be there for a while. It's just going to keep on going. Right. And that was what here's, I was going to I saw her, I'm going to wrap it up with this. I saw her 10 years later, I guess it was, 8, 9, 10 years later. And I was out for lunch one day. And I go out to lunch, you know, um, restaurant, whatever. And I had heard that that her father had passed kind of through, you know, contacts. And um, I was in, in, in Red Hot and Blue in Waldorf. I don't know if you'll know where that is. But. And I was having lunch. And I saw one of my ex-wife's uh, cousins that I hadn't seen in many years. And she came up to me and said, hey, good to see us today. How you doing? And she said, um, uh, did you hear granddaddy to pass? I said, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, you know, blah, blah, blah. She said, well, the whole family's over here because they were having like a repass at the restaurant or something. You know, you want to say hello? I said, sure. I mean, you know, I didn't have anything against her family. You know, you divorce, you don't see them anymore, but, you know, I didn't have any angst against them. Well, it must have been about 20 of them at, at the table, and my ex-wife was sitting on the far side, and the whole family, so I was just greeting them. I hadn't seen them in, you know, eight, nine years, whatever it's been. And they're all greeting me, hello, hello, hello. She's the last one I get to. She doesn't even want to look up at me, and this is years and years I mean, I've been remarried, moved on with my life. She won't even look at me. Hello. Like, wow. I'm sorry to hear about your dad. Uh huh. I'm like, wow. <laughs> wow. You know, and, and that unforgiveness, I don't care. It's not going to go away. It's not going to go away. And you've got, no matter how bad somebody's done you, you've got to. You gotta sooner or later let it go because you put yourself in. I'm not even thinking about her, but she's still mad at me. Well, yeah, that's that the thing about. Gonna add, you know, as far as 
you know, today, do you think that she's not remarried and doing real bad because of karma? No, I think she's not remarried and doing real bad because she hadn't learned how to forgive. And, and okay, so that's that's what I'm getting at. Karma is a different that never stops. In our belief system, at forgiveness. In karma's, in that belief system, it's ongoing. You hurt me, and I'm forever trying to get you back if until I'm satisfied. And if that person is not satisfied, then it, it continues to get, continues to move forward, and the hatred gets deeper. Yeah, yeah it, it really does. Because, I mean, I, it's amazing that, that I, I can see that and see, you know, really the, the Scripture come alive to see that, you know, that unforgiveness, you know, people think it's it's their place to, to pay you back and to hurt you back. You know, and it, it just locks you in a prison. Yeah. You know, it's sad. It's really sad. But when people think about karma, fellas, um, and relating it to relationships, tying it to relationships, almost immediately infidelity comes to mind. Why do y'all think that is? When somebody says karma as it relates to a relationship or a marriage, it's automatically a leap to infidelity. Why do y'all think that people automatically just go there? That's that that's raw the closest nerve. thing. Yeah. That's the closest that's the thing that painful. you can almost not forgive. Because that's about the deepest hurt you can you can you can endure in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, I mean, what else? I guess maybe if if they did something to your kid, maybe. But, I mean, besides something like that, I mean, if, if a woman came home and, and, and the husband's raping the daughter, maybe that's worse. But besides that, what else What what else could you do that would be worse than that? Uh, dishonesty, and she ripped out the bank account. Say that again? No, Some people go ahead. Want to, I, I was uh, saying... Go ahead, bro. I was just saying that sometimes people want to be a victim. They they want to play that victim role for a while, and and if you're going to do it, you got you going you got to play it to the hilt. Go to go for the gold, the big one. You know, I I will never forget you. I'm gonna forgive you because you drank the last uh, the Kool Aid or you ate my last jelly donut. I'll never forgive you. No, you gotta you know you betrayed me the worst level of betrayal, and now I need to go and commiserate with my girlfriends and my family and turn everybody against you. And make you feel the pain that you caused me, you know. So that I think that's what why that is that 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 default go to infraction. I, I think that's exactly right. Um, I'm going to give you the pain that you caused me. Yeah. That was basically um, that was basically um, the way she saw it, and she saw it that I was the reason her life was destroyed. Okay. Although I had not left, I was the reason her life was destroyed, and now I was going to be the one to get my life destroyed. Regardless of the fact that, if, if, that I have to sacrifice my peace and my joy and moving on with my life to, to get you, I'll cut off my nose despite my face. You know, it'll be worth it. 
And that's well, I understand people- that because when you're in that place, um, if you feel you let that go, you feel like you'll have nothing. You'll have nothing. Right. You'll you'll be empty. At least the pain is something. So people hold on to that pain because it's something. Mm-hmm. If they were to let it go, they'd have nothing. Yeah. Mm. It, do you think it's predominantly women who take that that posture? Mm. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think men. I think men. You know, the same way, but. But women are a lot more emotional, you know. But, I mean, you know, there's guys like, you know, if I can't have you, nobody will. Right. It's deeper than four guys. Somebody's life coming behind that. Yeah. And that's well, not, that's not right. Why, why do people cheat in the first place? You, you want me to answer? You're not happy, Because I'm, I'm on the hot seat? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, why don't we let somebody else get in here, man? I'm talking my head off. <laughs> I mean, I'll answer, but I, mean, I, I don't want to be a phone hog. Sure. Anybody want to take a stab at that? Why do people cheat in the first place? Yeah, I'll take a stab at it. As a male, um, I think this applies to most males. You know, we just like to have sex with different women, you know, new set of booty, new set of boobs, just, that's just in us naturally, and it's a part of uh, what keeps, um, you know, me, us procreating is our our desire to have sex with a new woman, and if you, you know, that's just in us naturally, and if you just don't never outgrow it, (laughs) once you get married, you'll probably give in to it if the opportunity presents itself and you think you can get away with it. Hmm. Hey, I think, I think, um, hello? Go ahead, Go ahead, bro. We got you. Go ahead, What's man. up? Welcome back. This, this, this is Harry. Welcome back, brother. Go ahead. You got hey. it. Um, I agree with the, um, the gentleman before me. I think, uh, men are, that's, that's in their nature. And I think you you choose to be faithful. I don't think that's your nature to be. Um, um, I wouldn't say faithful. I think it's just you, you're, it's your decision to be in a committed relationship. But in your nature, I mean, you're going to notice um, attractive women even after you make that commitment because that's just the way we're hardwired. So in the concept of cheating, the cheating is all based on the, the you know, the agreed upon uh, contract you have with your uh, your wife. Because I mean, there are men out there who their their wives let them go out and do whatever as long as they don't bring it in front of their face and it doesn't cause an issue between them. So I think it's all on your structure as well. Now, now for me, I was always a flirt. And I would always flirt with women, and um, this is, you know, going back for forever. But I always, you know, I always felt like I'm in control of it. There's nothing wrong with it. I just like to play and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, when I met this woman, you know, she called me on it. And I had a choice, but, you know, that was, that was, that was what it was. I, 
I wasn't thinking of, oh, I'm going to go out and get me some other woman. It was just, you know, one little thing led to one little thing led to one little thing, and then bam, there it is. You know, so that's what it was for me. And what, you know, for me now I understand is, you know, what what the consequence of it is. And the reward, I mean, does not come close to what the consequence is. So for me now, you know, the hurt that I would inflict on my wife and my family and, and, and all that kind of thing, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, some, 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 you know, some strange snatch wouldn't be worth it. It's just, it, it, it wouldn't be worth it for me to, 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 to go to that point because I know, you know, it's, it's, it's just after a while, it, 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 you get no reward and you just feel trapped in this situation. Mm-hmm. I think that there's the other element, and the other element is. <sighs> Underlying get back. And I think that's on both sides. What I mean by that is you're you're dealing with a certain amount of neglect in your marriage. Your intentions aren't to cheat, but your intentions may be to open the eyes of your spouse. So if you're not going to act like you want me, I'm going to go find somebody that wants, wants me or somebody that wants to show me some affection or yada, yada. You know what I mean? I think that a lot of times that's how the cheating starts. It's not like like what Harry was saying. It's not that we are wired to cheat. It's just there's something missing. You know, there's a void that we have to fill, and we expect the our spouse to fill this void, and they're not doing it. So now we program ourselves to believe, well, it's our right to go get it filled. So we'll go somewhere else. Somewhere else. And, and some people, some people do it so they can get caught because they kind of want, you know, the spouse to understand, well, you know, this is what I had to do because you, 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 you're not giving me what I need in the marriage. My ex-wife told me that she cheated on me or she started showing interest in this other guy because I had, she felt that I was ignoring her. And she felt that, you know, school came before her, the children came before her, work became for her. And, um... And she said that she she wanted me to feel what she was feeling. So she started off by flirting. And once I kind of came back to reality and said, okay, I realized what I was doing. I apologize. Now let's, you know, move on. She said she got, she felt so good with me hurting as she hurt it. She continued to want to hurt me and led further things. So you're absolutely right. It, It was, she was missing something. And when she was getting that void, while it was getting filled, I ran out of steam and said, okay, forget it. And she thought she had more time. Mm. But men don't cheat for that reason, typically. Typically, a man could be in a happy marriage and still, you know, go cheat. Whereas a woman in a happy marriage is probably very rare that she would go cheat. Matter of fact, if a woman goes to in a happy marriage, it's probably like something chemically wrong with her. Well, Chris Rock said it best. He said, "A man is faith- a man is only faithful as his options." So in, in the world, I can see that case, and I can see your point in in that saying: "A man is only as faithful as his options." The option to cheat, then he's going to take that option. 
No, that's, 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 not true. that's not that's true. not necessarily true in my opinion. If a man is mature and and and, right. and what I want to say is a is a as a Christian and understands what's going on in life and the purposes and stuff like that, I don't. He's not going to cheat if he has an opportunity to. And that's, that's, no, that's talking, we're not talking yeah, about in Christianity. Huh? That's yeah. not, that we're not talking. I wasn't talking about. I wasn't referring to guys in Christianity. I was just referring to just guys, secular guys, secular men uh, that think in secular ways, as Andrew did before he was saved. Hey, somebody show up at, at the door in a trench coat and, and nothing else on, then it's it's on and popping. That's a so secular that, way of thinking. And you know, you know, uh, Darren. For me, it's it's more more than just being saved. It is the consequence for those actions isn't worth it to me. And and believe me, um, you know, I've been married now 10 years, and, I've you know, I've turned women down walked away from it, okay? And I had options, but I chose not to take those options because I know the consequence of it. But let me yeah, ask you this, you're, right, and not, you're, not you're to take it off, but and, and this is kind of still on the topic, but... So at this point, we'll take you, Andrew, cause you, for an example, because you just said this. You won't treat, cheat because you're at least wise enough to know the baggage that comes with it. You got but, that right, and it ain't worth okay, it. Okay, but let, let, me, let, me, let me throw in the monkey wrench part of this question. So how do you think your wife would feel? I mean, pretty much that's saying that it's not so much that you wouldn't cheat on your wife. It's not because of your wife. It's because of the consequence. It's the and, and it's two different things. Like it's not just because you have enough exactly right. wife. But you see, it's all part of the package. And and I'm going to tell you what. All right, and I'm not trying to turn this into a Bible study, but um, I've never had a relationship with with any woman that I did not cheat, except my current wife. And when I got married ten years ago, my covenant was with God that I was gonna I was gonna honor her. Um, I'm gonna honor him, you know, by honoring her. Um, so my covenant is with him, and I don't want to let him down because he gave me another shot, and and he didn't have to. He could have taken me out in my stuff, and he didn't. Um, so it's much deeper than just, you know, you know, all the stuff. Is a whole package of of what. I, where I don't want to go back to, because I know in me I have the ability to go back, because I know what, what's in me, and without without the the, the whole bag of Christ, man, anything's possible. So I agree with that hundred percent. Hello. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying. Do you, I'm, this this question is for Andrew. Do you think? Um, the way you are now is because you felt the pain in your your previous relationships. Absolutely. Um, again, you know the Lord the Lord took me through a process and showed me the pain that I caused, and it, it destroyed me. He put a mirror up to me um, and showed me what I had become, and it was horrifying. And the people that I hurt, and and I felt that pain, and I, He allowed me to understand it. And that really rocked me to the core, because to me it was wasn't like that. It was just it was like it was it really wasn't a big deal. If I would have you know described you know well yeah it wasn't important. 
you know, so I didn't see it or really understand the depth of what I had done until God showed me and put me in that place to feel that hurt. Um, and if it wasn't for that, you know, because I've been in many relationships over the years, you know, all kind of stuff. I mean, crazy stuff, crazy stuff, crazier than than what I'm just telling you about crazy stuff. You know, I mean, I was out there, man. I mean, you name it, you know, I had it going on, you know, and, and you know, all these guys, their fantasy, they want two women at the same time. I've been in all those situations. Man, I'm telling you, I mean, I've done some crazy stuff. And I never felt any of that, you know, that come back on me. I never felt the pain of what I was doing to these people in my life until God showed me this, and I was destroyed by what I had become. And because he brought me out of that and saved me anyway, it, 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 I mean, I'm going to tell you what, I, I stand in church in tears many Sundays because how could he save me as, as wretched as I am? Because I know, and I know what I'm capable of. There's people out, you know, out there that them saved their whole life. They ain't been there, and, and that's great. But that wasn't me. You know, I was, I was out there. I was a heavy hitter for the other team. And, um, you know, when I understood that pain that I had caused, it really, and it's, it's, the tentacles go so much deeper than just your wife, your children, your reputation, people you, that count on you. And, and I mean, it, it goes so deep. You know, it goes so deep. And, and when God showed me this, I literally had to go back to the people that believed and trusted in me and realize, you know, I had to tell them I was a fraud. You know, and God had me go through all that crazy stuff because I didn't understand how many people I had hurt. You know, when you step out on your wife, you're not just hurting her. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Did did that take away the karma when you asked for forgiveness from your ex-wife, or did you ask forgiveness from your ex-wife and everybody else you hurt? I did ask for forgiveness, um, you know, from everyone. In, I didn't have a choice in that. I mean, God put me in a place where I had to do that. Um, right. Some people forgave me and some people didn't. Um, you know, I hurt my children, you know what I mean? And and to this day, I mean, my son still hasn't forgiven me. My son doesn't even speak to me, you know. He's 30 years old, and I haven't spoken to him in probably a year and a half now. And he still, although I asked him to forgive me and, and, and went through that, he, he's still in his place, and that's what it is. Um, so just because you ask somebody for, to forgive you does not mean that they will, and it doesn't mean you're going to repair the relationship. I mean, it, it, you know, we, we still have to pay for the things we did, even if, even if, you know, even if we ask people to forgive us. You know, it doesn't mean that, that we don't have to pay for I mean, we can, you know, we could kill somebody and ask God to forgive us, but it doesn't mean we don't have to pay the price for killing that person. You know, can, can God forgive you? Yeah. But, but you know, we still have to still pay going the to price jail. for what we've done. And I believe I'm truly, I'm forgiven. I don't, I don't yeah. you know, I don't know if my ex-wife's ever forgiven me. I mean, all I could do was ask her, and I asked her on many, 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 many occasions. But after a while, 
you know, you have to say, okay, I can only say I'm sorry so many times. I can only ask you to forgive me so many times. I do not have an eraser. I cannot erase the past. The reason that my marriage was destroyed wasn't because of infidelity or lies or anything like that. It was because of unforgiveness. Um, And that's why most marriages are destroyed, because people are not willing to forgive. Right. So that that would imply that if you didn't cheat, it would have been over anyway. No, 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 no. I'm saying that the, the, the reason that the marriage was destroyed was unforgiveness. Okay, I'm not implying that, that, you know, if I didn't cheat, she wouldn't have left or she wouldn't have had an affair. I don't know what would have happened. But I know what did happen, and I know the reason the marriage was destroyed wasn't because of infidelity on her, her part or mine. Believe me, I've seen many marriages that survive it and can get through it. And the, but the only way you can is with forgiveness. But when, you, when it sounds like she came into this marriage, marriage with you, it sounds like she had a lot of scars or um, open wounds that, was never, um, that never healed. And, exactly um, right. and through her father and her ex-husband, her and then he ex- just kind of ripped her. That's exactly right. And all those 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 hurts went deep. And, and understand, you know, I I didn't know anything about that kind of stuff. You know, marrying her, I didn't want to marry her. I just got hemmed into the deal. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Just got hemmed into the deal. All right. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on a second. Hold on, hold on a second, hold on a second. How did you get hemmed up in marrying this woman? Okay. <laughs> it was a shotgun right. wedding. No, I was between. I was between. I was between snatch. Okay. <laughs> and she was a neighbor of mine, and my 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 girlfriend, my my first wife had left, and I had a girlfriend. So you know, I was taking care of business. And my girlfriend was was pulling away or something, so I needed some snatch, and this was some local snatch, and she was living a couple of apartments down. And and um, a buddy of mine that I that I used to work with, he was tapping it. Now I knew her husband, kind of from you know seeing him in the parking lot, but I didn't know who he was and all that. And I knew my buddy was over there because because the husband was gone, and he was tapping it. I couldn't care less. Well, um, he was the weed connection. Okay. See, now you ask this. Here we go. All right. He was the weed connection. So we used to go over there and get high. Okay. And and she was trying to act like he wasn't hitting it. I couldn't care less. You know what I mean? And and one day I'm over there getting high. And it's just me and her. And she's like, you want to tap this thing? I was like, sure. She's like, I don't like you, so you can't kiss me, but you can hit this, you know, tap this thing, right? I was like, fine. Sounds like a deal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. See, now, now, Rodney, this is the marriage director telling you the stuff, right? <laughs> All right. So I'm hitting it. Okay, I'm cool. You can't kiss me. I don't want to kiss you. I don't even like you. Okay. I'm just high and horny. Okay. So <laughs> that's how I got started. Well, when her husband came back, I was like, I'm done. Then she shows up in the trenchy, you know. All right. You got to hit that. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> Well, a couple months later, <laughs> she says, um, you know, I was, 
I was praying to God whether I should make my marriage work, and he sent me you. I was like, really? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> okay. So she left her husband and started living with her mama and all kind of crazy stuff. <laughs> I don't want to go through all this, but fast forward, she starts living with me, okay? Now, he's in an apartment, you know, 25 feet away, and she's sneaking up. I'm tapping that thing. You know, it's craziness, all right? So I don't know why I'm telling you all this crazy stuff, but you asked the question. So a couple of years later, I moved down to Waldorf, and, and she's going to move to Richmond, and I said, look, you know, two can live cheap as one, and, and, and then I can have some live-in snatch. Okay. So she starts living with me. I had two kids. She had one. They were about six, seven years old at the time. And I said, okay, what do we need to do to these kids? We need to take them to church because that's what you do with kids. You take them to church. So um, I said, I'll find the church, anything but Catholic, because I grew up Catholic and I hated Catholic. So I found this church called, uh, called La Plata Baptist Church. Started going to this church. I said, we're going to join this church. Pastor told the pastor going to join the church, and he says, um, well, hold up. I, I want to come talk to you. I said, oh, okay. So he comes to the house on Saturday, and he says to me, are you saved? I said, saved from what? Now, now that might sound crazy, y'all Christians, but growing up in a Catholic house, I grew up, and I never heard that word, are you saved? They never talk about salvation. Never heard it. He said, well, when you die, are you going to go to heaven? I said, I guess so. Pretty good guy. And the way I was raised was you weighed the, you weighed the good against the bad. If the good outweighed the bad, you go to heaven. If not, you go to this place called purgatory, and they pray you up or whatever they do. And the few bad people really go to hell, but not many. And so I said, I'm a pretty good guy. He said, well, Andrew, it doesn't matter if you're good or not. If you don't have Christ in your heart, you're not going to heaven. I was like, oh, how you do that? So when you come down, you say this prayer, you get baptized. So I said, I walked down the aisle, say this prayer, take a dip, I'm going to heaven. He says, yeah. He says, sign me up. Next week he did this thing called an altar call. I was first due down there. Walked the aisle, said the prayer, took the dip. I was saved. I wasn't no more saved than the man in the moon, but he told me that. Next Saturday he comes to the house. He says, now that you're saved, you can't be living in sin. You've got to be married. <laughs> I said, I don't have no money to get married. He said, you don't need money to get married. He said, go to the courthouse, get the license. I'll be here next Saturday at 1130, and I'll marry you. That's how I got hemmed up. Mm. Oh, so, you saying the, so the pastor jacked you up. <laughs> I said, mm. no, what? Okay. Okay. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't in love with her. Like I said, I was just getting high, tapping that thing, and I didn't even like her. I didn't want to kiss her. But, you know, that's what happens. Mm. You're out there, you're doing your thing. I want to rewind a bit. In good words, Andrew. I don't um, want to rewind to that. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you get hemmed up, Dan. Doing stuff you ain't supposed to do. You're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I want to rewind a bit. Um the topic of karma, how would you define karma in your own words? How would you define karma in your own words? I'll, I'll take a stab at it. Go ahead, bro. Um, I don't, I'm not going to take a stab at it. Cause, but um, 
I guess two of the things that uh, um, that I've used to kind of gauge my life is one thing is uh, there's a statement that says um, quality of your life is sum total of the quality of your choices. And so mm-hmm. based off of that, I understand that, you know, I'm going to make the bed I lay in or I'm going to, you know, create an experience at the same time based on my decisions. Um, and then one thing that, that I also live by is um, every decision affects all the decisions that follow. And so um, you, you'll never, ever escape karma. You may you may ask for forgiveness, and that's, you know, a social construct but or a religious construct, but the effects of your decision, whether it's, um, you know, things that hurt you or things that hurt other people, both good and bad, they're going to permeate in your life forever, and you'll never escape that. You'll always uh, will... Your your life will always reflect those decisions that follow. So, I guess karma is basically um, a way in which you create your own destiny. Mm, good words. Anybody else? How would you define karma in your own words? I think that brother hit it out the park. But basically, some synonyms for karma are fate and destiny, you know, just like he said. Um, But has anybody ever been to a place that they felt had bad karma? Um, I have. My wife and I were over a friend's house and had to stay over, had to stay the night. But we both just had this bad feeling about the energy in their house. It was literally uncomfortable to sleep there. Kid you not. I don't know what it was, but I do know that our good friend's marriage eventually dissolved after our visit. But if anybody has anybody ever been to a house or a building where you just felt it had bad karma? You see to me karma isn't about a feeling. Karma is about you know, almost like like I said, like the the law of the universe if if you do good, good will come to you. If you do bad, bad will come back to you. Mhm. Mhm. Like know you know, sowing and reaping. If you if you, you know, if you if you if you sow enough bad out there, it's gonna come back around on you. If you sow enough good, it's gonna eventually come back around on you. And that's not the reason that you do it, but it just it just seems to happen that way. I mean, if. You know, I hear people say, you know, God don't like ugly. That's true. And sooner or later, you know, we we think these people that are out there being evil, they don't get the they don't get the comeback. But I really believe it does. Well, why why is it so? Oh, anybody else got anything to say? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah real quick. Does, is there a? I guess it's a question. In your opinion, is there a spiritual component to karma, or is it more? The only way I can describe it, just kind of the laws of physics. Karma, karma comes from a term um, from another religion, that, which is not Christian. I think it's the Buddhist religion. Yeah, hold uh, that thought. Correct. Okay. Yeah, hold that thought. We'll, we'll get there. Um, okay. But my, I mean, my question is that. And I guess this is a monkey wrench. 
Um, how come when someone says the word karma, people immediately think of bad karma? Why do we often think when someone says karma, you immediately think the worst? Why is that? So you're waiting for something to come down on you, thinking about the stuff you did. And I, and I also think that um, anything that doesn't come from a you know a Judeo-Christian standpoint, any concept that comes out of that, um, you know, the, those four walls, is kind of treated as you know evil or bad. So, you know, karma is you know because people don't really understand what it is, they're going to see it you know oftentimes a negative concept. But you know, I think karma you know, is part of a Judeo-Christian concept because, you know, it's based off the law, you know, law of cause and effect, you know. Asking you should receive, seeking you shall find, knocking the door shall be open. All those things are, are karma. They're just in, they're just uh, articulated in a different way. So it is both, karma is both good and bad, but I think, again, if it, if it, if it ain't in, you know, the... Uh, the 66 books of the Bible, whatever they are, and people just say, ah, that's a foreign concept. It must be mean something bad. Mm-hmm. And, and oftentimes when people um, uh, not request, requesting karma on yourself, but if you say, don't worry about it, karma, get them, it's almost like a curse. It's almost a way to make you feel, I mean, it's probably the only thing you can really do if somebody's done done something bad to you and you're not the type of person to go out and do something bad back. That's funny because you never hear somebody say when some, somebody's done something good, karma's going to come to you. It's always in a negative. That's right. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, growing up, believe it or not, uh, I was a bad little boy. I don't I believe in, that. <laughs> I'm serious. I stayed in trouble in school. On the school bus, I was always in the principal's office. Robbie I remember it. I'm serious. Now Get I, I got my grades. I got my grades now, but uh, yeah, I remember being at home some nights, just hoping that the phone wouldn't ring because I knew it would be a, a teacher or the school principal calling to telling my telling my parents what I had done. And neither one of my parents spared the rod. Um, you know, they both put some pretty good whippings on me as a child. But even still, I was very mischievous. Um, my senior year in high school, I was actually nominated for most mischievous. But at 17 years old, I had the wherewithal to take my name out of the running because I didn't want my future kids to see that in the yearbook. And trust serious? me, I, I'm serious. You were thinking I'm about your future kids at 17? Absolutely. Because, wow. again, you know, I was mischievous, but I was smart. Um, got that right. And trust me, I would have won the superlative in a landslide. Um, but fast forward into today, um, I have a two-year-old little boy. Now, he's a nice little boy. But he also is very mischievous. He stays getting into things, climbing on stuff. You just got to keep a close eye on him. Um, I have all kinds of toys in my subwoofer right now 
uh, <laughs> down in my basement. But <laughs> would y'all say this is karma? That I'm just getting it back from how I treated my parents as a little boy, and he's just getting started. You know, um, he's only two years old. So, have you introduced him? Have you introduced him to Mister Belt? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. And again, like I said, Mister Belt didn't tell me nothing as a child. Little Rodney got plenty of whippings and was still bad. That's, that's hard for me to believe, man. What happened to you? Hey. <laughs> hey. It must have been your wife that. who straightened you out. No, I got straight um, around eighth grade. I matured. Um, took a turn. And it was because I, got, I finally got suspended because all this time I was getting in trouble. I never got suspended from school. Like you I was, got you know, perfect. Did you get wore out? Yeah, and it was actually – I actually still didn't get suspended from school. It was actually an in-school uh, Saturday suspension. I had to go to school on a Saturday. Um, but that was, I guess, like a, a turning point because, you know, at that point I was like, I need to get serious, um, you know. So but that that was the result. I mean, from then on, you know, high school – I still was mischievous, but I didn't, you know, get in trouble with it. You know, I was just like more of a class clown, and, you know, the teachers would, you know, they knew that about me, and I would, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't a troublemaker, so it was a little different. I still had it in me, but, um, but you know, re- regarding your children, Andrew, you you mentioned your son, but just in general to anybody, you know, what about your children? I mean, do you see anything in them that's a result of your behavior from the past? Most of the things that I see in my children, I, I believe most of the things that I see in my children is a result of a divorce or a, a, a direct pressure applied to them because of a life change or a life-changing event. Um, I, once I was saved, I, I don't count anything after that. So, like Andrew, I know that I've forgiven myself. I mean, I've I've done a lot of bad things, but uh, I don't. I, my my children, I made sure that they they had their father. That's one thing I didn't have. My stepfather came along, but w- one thing I was missing was that father figure. And one thing I knew that I didn't want my kids to miss was a father figure. So I figured if I'm in their life as a father figure, whether I do it right or wrong, just try to do it right, then anything that they they suffer through or go through, it won't be because of me doing or not being there or drinking too much or uh, um, being abusive toward them. So I don't believe that karma or I sold this or I reaped or I earned what I'm getting from my children – uh, I think that that's just a part of a circumstance, a circumstance or a lifestyle of changing event of what we're going through now or what we've been going through. I don't blame myself at all. Hmm. Anybody else? Your children, your behavior, any connections? Well, if you... And I, and 
and let me throw out something. Mm-hmm. If you get a illness because of poor eating habits, what's the likelihood of your child getting that same illness? Great. Great, right? Mm-hmm. Because they grow up eating, you know, oh, that's my mama's cooking. That's Yeah, my father used to cook this. They grew up eating the same bad stuff that you ate. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that that's a common thing, but I'm saying that that is something that was inherited. And I think that somebody once told me that a part of your memory that you have in your memory, you give to your offspring, whether you know it or not. So maybe something that you did or something that you experienced, some some kind of strange cosmic way, you give that to them. Because hmm. sometimes, you know, you you could be in a situation where, you know, someone can look at you, look at your son acting up, right, and say, man, you just like your father. <laughs> act that way because you didn't act that way in front of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're like, well, I mm-hmm. mean, you know, I don't do those things anymore. It don't matter. But they do it now. So I believe that we give them something, a little portion of our memory of, of what we've done. We give that to them. Mm. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 well, Tony, just like we have um, physical traits that we pass on, we also have emotional traits and spiritual traits we pass on down mm-hmm. the bloodline. Um, mm-hmm. And it's very true that those things, a lot of people, you know, when you go to your doctor, you know, one of the first things he wants to do is find out what your family history is. Because there are diseases that are passed down the bloodline. Okay. Yep. But there's also emotional challenges, and, and along with that, we're, we're three-part people. We're spiritual, we're physical, and we're emotional. And all of mm-hmm. those things, even though this world doesn't like to look, look at the spiritual realm, there is a real spiritual realm, and those things are passed down to our children. And the Bible says, you know, to the third and fourth generation. Hold on, hold, hold, hold on. Time out, time out. I don't, Let's I, do it. I'm no. ready. Let's do it. I can't. can't. <laughs> okay. Just because now, now I'm going to say this. Now, I've said this before. My father was a womanizer. He was an alcoholic. All of the above. You know, every drug on the block, he probably sold it and t- tried it. Now, and and then to down to me, I I sold pornos. I rent porno movies when I was a young kid. All right. My son, just because. My dad was like that. It was a. It, it, I don't know if people were praying for me or all that other stuff, but as I said before, I've, I've, I've seen that him being an alcoholic, and I know when I take the alcohol, what it did to me. Now, whether it had something to do with him or not, I'm not sure. But at the same time, I made sure my son didn't do the things that my father did or I did. I made sure he wasn't exposed to that. So... I'm not passing that portion down. And if he chooses to take it because he's enticed by his friends to do certain things, then that's on him at that point. But I know that I'm raising him to not do certain things. I mean, thank God he's still a virgin. My daughter's still a virgin. 
but that's the only thing I can take credit for. I can take credit for all of it, but I can't take credit for hey, since I was a since I was this uh uh first international blockbuster for porno, I'm not gonna pass that down to him and say, Hey look here buddy, you know, since daddy was like this, I'm passing this carrot to you. Or I'm no, I'm gonna teach him the ways that not to go in that direction. And he didn't go in that direction. But I'm not saying that he won't do it from here, but he hasn't so far. What I'm saying is the proclivity to sin okay. what, what 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 we pass down is the sin nature. And that is what, what started with the original sin. And I'm not trying to turn this into a Bible study, but what when we talk about we talk about we're born into sin, that's what we're born into, the proclivity to sin. And we, we have that desire to do that. Now that doesn't mean that we have down all our desires. It doesn't mean we're robots and we have no control and no choices. Okay, and that's it comes out in Andrew. different that's ways Andrew. and different people. Just because your dad had high blood pressure doesn't mean you'll have it. Just because your dad has cancer doesn't mean you'll have it. But a lot of times, those type of things they run in families, and you have a, uh, you know, a better chance of dealing with those kind of things. Hey, but that's I, everybody. Sorry. Everybody's wanted to that. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Harry. Go ahead. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah, the the one thing since we are talking about to karma, respond. all right. Yeah, the one thing with uh, with karma, the the one thing that you all are talking about is dharma, and that is that is the thing that you in in the Buddhist system of spirituality, what they do believe in is they believe in many different lives, like you you reincarnate. So the things that that you bring into the next dharma. Yeah, dharma. D H A R M A. And those are the those are the things that you that you bring in from your past life to your current existence. And I'm not trying to say that that is you know the end all be all the structure of things, but I think that you know there 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 are some things that we do give to our kids just based on the environment that we um, bring them up in. If they if it's similar to the environment that we bring that we were brought up in. Yeah, there are going to be some similarities to, um, you know, how our kids are. I mean, they're they're a chip of the old block. But then the other thing is, you know, they have to create a destiny by themselves. Like, I forgot who was talking, but they said, you know, they take credit for some things, but at some point they their karma is their own based on the decisions that they make. And I think that we can't always say, yeah, since my dad has – you know, high blood pressure or cancer or whatever, that I may get it. Yeah, you may get it, but there's a there's a 25 percent chance you may get it. You you may not get it because of your mother's you know uh, DNA or whatever, and her and whose whose genes dominate based off of how you were born. So I mean, I think you know, at at some point we have to be able to say, okay, yeah, there are things that we're a victim of, you know, uh, a product of our environment. But there's a step further where we got to say, hey, we got to step above that and take responsibility for ourselves. And, and Darren, Darren, I want to go back to, to you for a minute. Mm-hmm. Because you're trying to put your finger on certain things that your father has done that you've done, and you're trying to avoid the inevitable. You're trying to avoid you know, your son picking up certain things that 
weren't favorable in your life and definitely weren't favorable in your father's life. And I'm going to give you an example. So let's just say mm-hmm. that you got a wicked jump shot. Sports, you great. Wicked jump shot. Your son, play no sports at all, right? But let's just right. say your son plays PlayStation. Let's just pick a PlayStation game. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you lose a game, you start kicking chairs and you got this mean streak, you can't handle losing, right? Okay. Your son may have the same temper, mean streak, when he loses playing PlayStation. And you're sitting there like, where did he get that from? A lot of times we get our anger, we get our attitudes, we get certain other things that we have no control over from our parents and our grandfathers. But you're talking about habits. You're talking about them seeing you react in certain situations, and then they cock. What I'm saying is, look, look, listen, they don't have to see it. Your son could could be raised with the mother in another state. Mm. And the mother looking at him like, just like your father. You know what I'm saying? I understand you, but I don't. I don't buy the whole. I don't buy the whole. You know, it's in your father, so it's in you. Well, naturally, it's the sin is in the world because it's in the world, and and it's available to everybody to do certain things, like Andrew was talking about. That's available to everybody. But if I'm teaching I'm my son, my Okay, no, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not I'm, I'm addressing that. I'm just. But what, what you're talking about? You're talking about habits, bad habits, bad eating habits, bad temperament, bad. Uh, there's certain things that that mean streaks. You, you're talking about all these things that are they call, they call traits. Or traits, yeah. Now, if you you're, if you're saying that bad traits are passed down from generation to generation, or from 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 son or from father to son, and 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 you want to take that to be you know an attribute. Hey, that's just like my father. Or, I mean, I, I grant granted sometimes you know if I'm raised in a project and I'm still in the projects when I start having kids, then nine times out of ten it's going to be exposed to the same things I was exposed to while living in the projects. I get that. Okay, but if you so move away from is, that. See, for you, it's difficult to understand because for you, it's got to be X and O's. It's got to be, it's got to make sense. It's got to be something that you can explain, that you got to read somewhere. You see what I'm saying? I don't think that this is that, that element. I'm talking about the fact that you could have a son, right, that hasn't been mm-hmm. raised by you, been raised by someone else. And the person that's raising your son could be a grandmother or an ex-wife or an ex-girlfriend that knows you mm-hmm. very well. And see certain things in him and say, you are just like your father. With any, and, and he's probably never met you. And we hear about it all right. the time. We hear about how fathers will go to jail and then their sons will go to jail. You're like, how does that happen? The son looked at the father like, man, why are you in jail? I keep coming to visit you in jail. And then turn around and he's locked up in jail. You see what I'm saying? Well, that, with them, with, and then when you're taking it. That's called a bureaucratic anitra. That's when you when when it's a repetition. I'm doing this, and I was stuck in this, and I left home. I left you as a son, uh, like my father left me, and I left you to be raised by your mother in the projects. And you grow, and and you're raised, and and all the elements to it is attached themselves to you. And then they say that's Darren's son. And then now, 
they, just because your father had a reputation, then we're going to automatically think. I mean, okay, we know Michael Jordan was the best basketball player in the NBA. Where's his son? I mean, he barely played college ball, and he only got that because his daddy was Michael Jordan. But that's why I use the example of wicked jump shot in your son. Your son may not play sports, but I bet you that it, there's some other very close similarities that the two of them have, other than looks. So you think that the looks was passed down, and that's where it ended? Hmm. Let me. Can I? Can I help y'all? Let me help y'all. Yeah. Go ahead, man. And I want to flip it because we talked about me being a bad little boy, and well, mischievous, and my son mischievous as well. But on the flip side, I have three children. And on the flip side, my eldest child, my daughter, she's extremely creative and artistic. And almost every year, she has some piece of her artwork displayed at the county fair. And she's placed a few times as well. She has a natural ability with art. It's effortless. So do y'all want to take a guess who she got that from? Your 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 mother. No. Come closer. Come closer to her line. Her genealogy. Her mother? No, she her got mother? it from me. She got it from me. Because as a kid, I wanted to be a cartoonist when I grew up. In my bedroom, I actually developed my own cartoon strip. Now, it was never published anywhere, but I had ideas, man. And I loved to draw. My parents would put me in art workshops. Um, so that's what I'm talking about. What about the good karma That you know in your kids, do you see hey, any hey, Rodney, good Go ahead. Have we identified what what we're what we're referring to when we say karma? We tried. Uh, I think Harry said like destiny. What'd you say, Harry? Fate, destiny. Hello. Yeah, I just said um, that basically. Um, you know, karma is a destiny created by the decisions you make. So that, that sounds like literally physics as opposed to something spiritual. For an example, a thought that I have in my head, say if somebody steals something from you and they get away with it, scot-free, clean, um, there is no consequence because he got away with it, meaning he's not going to be punished by the law. That somehow, some way, in some other form or fashion, unsolicited, somebody would steal from him, or he's going to get some bad fortune. That would make karma spiritual. Is that what we're saying? Karma is. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that um, you in my in the way I kind of define life, you know, the mental, spiritual, physical. I don't think that they're separate from one another. I don't I don't uh, compartmentalize what happens in my life is just purely purely physical. I believe that, you know, 
there's ramifications on all three different levels. So um, when I say that, you know, the destiny that you create, I mean, yeah, if you steal something from like, you know, I stole something when I was in college, okay? I stole some phones. I may not have experienced any repercussions like I'm going to jail or anything like that, but there was probably something that happened to me down the road, like a deal that didn't get closed the way I wanted to get closed or whatever the case may be, eventually those things are going to reverberate just like you throw a pedal, I mean, you throw a, um, a rock into a middle of a cut in a, in a puddle. Those is, 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 as those ripples go out into the, that body of water, it's going to reverberate and go back and forth infinitely. So um, that that whether it's on a spiritual, mental, or physical level, you're going to feel the effect of that. You know what I mean? Whether it's guilt, whether it's, uh, you know, you can't sleep at night or whatever the case may be, there's going to be, mo- there's going to be manifestations on all different levels. Okay. Yeah, Malcolm, I'll, I'll give you an example, Malcolm. Um, have you ever made a, a bad financial decision? Um, well, if you're asking me, because of the way I look at stuff, I would say it was a learning experience. But I've made a decision, and it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. <laughs> right. And what, and what was the result of um, that learning moment? Uh, a wiser individual. Right. I know that. That was the end result. But, you know, in the in the midst of, you really making that unwise financial move. I end up losing money. money. And how did that affect your marriage, or did it? I'm um, sure it did. I assume times it did. that I've lost money. Yes. Um, I don't know how it's affected my marriage. Um, I'm still married, not divorced behind it, so I don't know how it affected my marriage. So do you think it could have just been bad luck? I mean, does bad luck have anything to do with with karma? You know, with uh, no, I, I think it's a real like if we're talking about the uh, losing money or the bad financial decision. I think it's it's a it's more like a law of physics. I didn't make the right decision, and it didn't have nothing to do with bad luck. It's just the result of not making the right decision. It's like literally the laws of physics in my mind. If I had made the right decision. It would have went the other way. I think if I would have made, I think it's rare that if I would have made the wrong decision in the financial situation, that it would still go right. If if it's technically, if it's literally the wrong decision, it probably won't go right. So I just think it's purely the laws of physics in that type of situation. Gotcha. Gotcha. But but you had asked a question about your children. And you had, you had put the word karma in there, and I'm the only way that the way that you have presented the word karma means that somehow your actions have spiritually been forced upon your children. And I'm just asking, is that what is that what you're referring to as karma? Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Cause my my son That's gives nice. me the business sometimes, and, and the way that I the way that I you know process that um, 
it just makes me less judgmental against uh, people because I look at my son and I say, dang, I, as hard as he is on me, I must have been, you know, kids are hard. Or I must have been hard on my parents, and I can't be upset with my son for giving me the business because I gave somebody the business more than likely, too. So it just makes How me less judgmental. He's, he's one he's year old. old. One year old. And that's what you're referring to. You're talking about your baby. Your baby son yeah. kind of probably into everything and all over the place and stuff like that. Yes, he is. He so why can you just attribute that to just being a... I don't think that would be karma coming on you. I just think that's probably um, just a kid, being a kid. <laughs> right, that's what I was going to say. Why can it just be attributed to a child, uh, you know, foolishness being bound up in the in the heart of a child? Or just a part, a, grow, a part of the growing process, a part, a part of the selfish process. I want what I want, and I don't want to be here, and I want to get down, and I want to eat, and I want to poop, and I want to do all these other things that kids are learning themselves. Why can it just be that? I'll say because my girls didn't act like that. So, you know, we're the only two guys in the house, and they didn't act like that. Totally but we know that men and women are different. Boys are t typically more rambunctious, more adventurous, more physical than little girls. Yeah. They learn different, think different, and, and you know, men and women minds are different because I don't know if it's because of hormones or you know maybe we're just created that way. But I would expect that your son falling off bunk beds and jumping <laughs> off roof more so than your daughters would be doing that. And I'm glad your son is doing what he's doing because, you know, if he was all quiet and playing the piano and, and drawing all over the place, then people would probably look at him different. Hmm. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. And, and it's funny we're talking about this. When I was growing <laughs> up living in New York, right, um, I obviously had a room in my parents' spot. And every month I would change the room around. I was never satisfied with the way the room looked, and I decorated it. Every single month, I would change this room around, right? Um, as I got older, I didn't care anymore. I, we, we'd get a room. I'd be married. We'd have a room. So now you just can't change the room around like that when you got a wife because she may like it, so you just got to deal with it. So I would stop the room changing. Mm -hmm. My daughter came to live with me um, during her last couple of years of high school, she had her own room, right? Mm -hmm. Every so often, this girl would change that room around. It, she was never upset. I mean, she probably changed it around maybe more than me, but to me, all the time. And I never put one and one together until just now. You know, it's mm -hmm. something that she and I never told her about changing my room around when I was here <laughs> until she the same thing. You see what I'm saying? But it's not she wasn't even born then. But it's just a trait. And then foods that I would eat, certain tastes that I would have, and she would have the exact same taste. You know what well, 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 I'm saying? Go ahead. Is that your youngest? Is that your youngest child? The youngest. Youngest. So is that, that the one that, that says she wanted to be? Yeah, the, is that the one that says she wanted to be an interior decorator? Nope. No, 
So that's the other one. That's the other one. I'm telling you, that's the other one. Isn't that the same thing? I mean, that's that's both of them. I mean, one changed the room. It's kind of like the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yet they're totally different. It's the same thing. And I never talked to them. I never talked to them about that. Like, you know, you know, I just wanted to, and you know, growing up in New York, you see a lot of different styles. You see a lot of people have these different, I used to go look at brownstones, how they would decorate and be like, I want my crib to look like this. So I was never satisfied with what it looked like. You know what I mean? But I never talked to them about that. Well, that's a trait, you know. That that's that's traits are okay. Trait? That's a different you thing. You keep brushing it off. That you it's, it's a trait. Where did it come from? How did they know about it? I, I can explain that. I believe I can explain it. Um, it, it when you, it, I believe it is a trait, and, and it, not necessarily changing your room, but whatever that trait is, changing your room is the easiest way to express it. Like, say for an example, if for whatever reason a father loves cars. He has a particular trait, and at the end, the end result is that he tinkers with cars. In this world, that in America, that may be the easiest way to express it. Now, say if he lived in Iraq where he wasn't exposed to cars, it would probably be expressed in some other way. So it's, it's the trait, and it just happens to be the simplest way for a, an individual child or an individual young person to express it is to change the room around, whatever that trait is. Maybe you get bored with looking at the same stuff, and they pick that trait up. Well, I couldn't so the way she expresses it is changing her room around, and the way you expressed it was changing your room around. Now, you get older as an adult, say if you had a, tr- a trillion dollars, maybe you would you know, um, buy a thousand houses or something to live in. And then same with her, if she had a thousand trillion dollars, she would buy a thousand houses. But if she just had one, she'd just keep changing her room up. And it's all okay, based on that trait of maybe not liking to see the same thing all the time. But what but what I'm not hearing from you guys is the definition of how you explain a trait that wasn't relayed. It's the same reason why a person can look at your DNA and identify who your kids are because it's still it's just a you pass that on to her. So it's a footprint. It's a yeah, it's a footprint because she came from you. She, you know, I, I, have you ever seen somebody who had a kind of a di- distinctive scent and their child had that same distinctive scent? It's, it's, of course, she looks like you. It's clear that it comes from you. I don't, know, I'm not, I don't know if your child looks like you, but I'm saying people's kids look like them. Of course it comes from, your, you, know, from you. Okay, but mm. I, got, I got you. So what you're actually doing is proving my point. Darren what is your point? What, what is your point? different because what well, my point is that they can pick up something from you without ever seeing it, without ever learning it, without ever being taught it. Darren says, no, there's got to be an explanation for it. Maybe they saw, well, you know, his father did this and he did that and he protected his son so his son wouldn't do it, but you've got no control over that because your son probably has seen it some kind of way in some memory bank that you gave him. Well, it wouldn't be that he picked up. It wouldn't be that he picked up. Say, let's just, just take porn for an example. It wouldn't be that he picked up porn. It would just be that he picked up maybe lust, and it is expressed through checking out porn. If porn wasn't available, it might be something else. Maybe he would be looking through somebody's window or something. Or maybe he would be real managed and having sex with a lot of girls earlier or something. 
But it, it, it's not. It's I'm not, not disputing. I'm not. I'm, what I'm, I'm not disputing anything that you're saying is what I'm trying to tell you. I understand that things happen without seeing it, without it being learned. Something but that that's what, 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 what you're talking about. It sounds to me like you're talking about the actual act. I think the act is the same because we just have limited options. But it's just the trait that causes that, and we probably the trait latches on to the same limited option that that the father had when he was growing up. Because it's just we that's it's in America. Maybe if he lived in another third world country where the options weren't the same it would be expressed in a different way but that trait is the source that lust or that that I want to see something different often or I like to exercise or whatever the trait is you know by the time it comes into a physical manifestation because we have limited options typically it will probably cling to the same thing Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I want to go to the point that Malcolm's talking about with uh, physics, I guess, and um, and tying this thing up, relating back to karma. Does anybody believe in soulmates? Soulmates. Does anybody believe in that concept? Soulmates. I do. What is, what is a soulmate in in your words? <clears throat> to me, a soulmate, I think you can have thousands of of soulmates. I, I don't think that it's a person out there, you know, in the world, and you happen across their path. I think it's just a person that you are real in tune with, and and um, you guys probably just have enough in common that you just really enjoy each other's company just in an extreme level. And and there's thousands of people out there like that. And it can even be friends, two guy friends, no homo, no nothing, or a husband and a wife or a business partner or something like that. I just think it's a person that's, you know, like I said, just that's really in tune with who you are. So you don't think that every soulmate is a romantic relationship. No. Okay. So with regard to your romantic relationship, do you think you married your soulmate? Not yet. But you married now, right? Yeah, but I don't think we soulmates yet. What? What do you mean, not yet? Because that's my goal, but I, we we're not there yet. So what's it going to take for y'all to get there? I don't understand. Like usually, people at the altar, they're like, "Oh, marry my soulmate. I love him. I love her." You know, that's like as you're walking down the aisle. Not for me. What about for her? Does she think you're her soulmate? Um, I'm not sure. I think so. I know she loves me a whole lot. And I know she's dedicated and committed to me. So, I, I, But I haven't asked her that, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. What, what about Anybody yourself? 
I believe in soulmates. I think I married my soulmate, but my wife doesn't believe in soulmates. She doesn't subscribe to it at all. In our conversations, she's like, I don't believe in it. What's your definition I, of a soulmate? Real quick. Well, I mean, like you said, I mean, I think that it's a true love connection with a person that's not necessarily romantic. You know? So, you know, I have that connection with her, obviously, but I don't think it can just be I mean, you could have a, a tight cousin, you know, a cousin, a guy cousin that you're real cool with. You know what I mean? So I just think it's a person that you have a deep, like you said, a, a connection with. But some people think they married a, their soulmate and got divorced. So it's like, I'm just like, well, what happened when you realize that she wasn't your soulmate. You know what I mean? It's like at one point you did think she's she was your soulmate and now no longer. I think maybe uh, but yeah. soulmate some people think that there's a person that was created by God just for them. That that person somehow, no matter where you are in the world, you're going to find each other and you're going to live together forever. I don't believe in that because God gives us free will, and you can you, you know you can choose and you can have a successful I think relationship and love with somebody of your choosing. I think it's it's an act of your will. You decide that you're going to uh, give yourself over to a person and she's going to give herself over to you, and you guys you know become one. I think and. You know, in the example you guys just were just talking about uh, a cousin or a friend or whatever, you know, you you may have something basic in the beginning. Oh, we bo- we both love the Redskins. We both love whatever, and then you decide that you're gonna um, you're gonna spend that time, you know, fellowshipping with that person. And over time, you, you develop a trust form uh, between the two of you, and then you have that good rapport. And it's but you choose to walk, you know, you know, hand in hand or you choose to 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 be around each other to 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 be on good terms with each other. I I think it's a choice. Mhm. So what do you think? And that's good words, fella, but so what do you think? What's the definition of true love then? Well, I'm going to tell you. I I believe uh, love is an action. You know, I think Hollywood and romance novels have messed a lot of people up because they're waiting for this this big ground-shaking emotion to come over you and, uh, you know, bells ringing or whatever. I think you get a feeling from it, but I think um, love is an action. You decide that you're going to love, you're going to accept this person, warts and all, you're going to protect them, and again, you're going to open yourself up to, you're going to commit to that person, you're going to allow that person into your heart, and they're going to allow you into into theirs. So um, I think true love is when you get to the point where you can get over yourself and they can get over themselves and come to the realization that nobody's perfect. This is this woman is good. You know, she, she's, you know, she's doing the things that a woman should do for a husband. You know, she's got a, a core of, of good morals or whatever. You just choose that this is a, your, your partner in life. So that's that's what I think true love is. You make a choice that you're going to, 
uh, and, and, and just to touch on before when we were talking about why the men cheat or whatever, I think um, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's in our in our our flesh the temptation that we're gonna want to you know chase after all these different women, you know. But if if you don't have anything built up in you that's going to prevent you from doing that, then you're going to do it. But if and then um, the brother uh, spoke about finding God and everything, he and all the consequences outweighing the, the, the short-term benefit. There was something in there, a realization that this thing is going to hurt me more than it's going to, it's going to feel good at this moment. So that's going to prevent me from doing this. So the, the true love part is uh, basically you, you making a choice that this is the one and I'm not going to do anything to disparage that. And if I do do anything to harm this person or to you know, kind of knock the wheels off the relationship for a minute, then I'm going to do everything in my power to get it right. Instead of saying, you know what, you act like that, you're on your own. But you're just making a choice. You both make a, a, a committed choice to be together. That's what I think true love is. Mm, good words. Yeah, you're right, because um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, and I quote, love is a verb. So it is action, you know, and... You know, the definition of true love, you know, always sparks a lot of debate because no one really agrees on just what it is. Um, You know what I mean? So tying this thing back to um, true love and karma, has anybody ever heard of the phrase karmic marriage. Has anyone ever heard of the phrase karmic marriage? Anybody ever heard of that? I've never heard of it. Yeah, so I, I thought that Harry might have. He reads a lot. Um, but karm, a karmic marriage is when soulmates commit to a, a marriage. They also commit to taking on each other's karma. So good and bad karma from each person is shared. Therefore, karmic lessons are learned together. So it's it's kind of interesting and just going back to the, you know, what Malcolm hey. was talking about. Yes, hey, sir, go I ahead. Yeah, yeah, hmm? I knew you did. I figured you did. Yeah, I figured you'd be the one to hear about it. Go ahead. And just because you mentioned it, because of you know what you the, the definition, how you were explaining it is also, um, you know, that's why you got to be careful that you know who you lay with because you don't know what kind of uh, baggage you're bringing into that particular type of relationship. And so, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, that that karmic marriage or whatever, whatever you bring into that that union. Um, there's going to be a a, a, a um, an effect and outcome of that particular relationship. You're going to be entangled spiritually with that person once you lay down, uh, you know, with that person. Mm-hmm. Good words. And author Karen Black states that, and I quote, that a soulmate represents a karmic relationship that we have resolved. 
a deep conflict that has been settled, an obligation that has been fulfilled, a love that has replaced fear and anger. And she says that by initiating a relationship, we set in motion a soul contract with that soul to learn a lesson and resolve an issue from a previous life. From a previous life. Um, so does anybody, do any of y'all believe that we've been here before? Been on earth before? Anybody believe that? No, I don't, I don't believe it. <laughs> I, I I won't I won't say that I don't necessarily believe it. I think it's possible. I mean I, I don't I don't think that there is anything I mean, cause, and the reason why I say that is because I mean I look at you know just from a, from a scientific point point of view I mean the Earth was the Earth has been in existence for billions of years okay and and you know most people's frame of spiritual reference point is a book that basically is only like 2,000 years old. And if you include the Old Testament, you know, it's, you know, 5,000 years old. But the earth has been in existence for a very long time, and there's spiritual books that are much older than the Bible that make reference to, you know, past lives or reincarnation or whatever. You know, so I'm, I'm not saying that it it it's it's a definite but I think we have to entertain the possibility that that's that there's a potentiality of it. And the only reason I say that is because, you know, you have these children that they say they've been here before. My youngest son, he's like that. I mean, he's like, he just, the way he he adapts to the world, it, you know, far supersedes, you know, most kids that I've ever seen. He just is an old soul and he just gets it and he's, a very young age, and, you know, my wife and I always joke all the time, you know, this joke have been here before just because he, he just kind of gets people and just, you know, just the way he just interacts with the world. I mean, he has a, he has a very coolness and easiness about, about himself. So, you know, when I see things like that and then, you know, you know, you see, you know, kids, how they're born. Like both of my sons were born, like, after, like, one of my grandfathers died, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know if they're my grandfathers reincarnated, but they just so happened to be born the May after they died, and they both died. My, my Both my grandfathers, they died in, I think, September. So, October, I mean, August is September time. Well, no, it was early fall. So um, I look at things like that. You know, I don't think that there's anything such thing as coincident. I think everything has a design and purpose in it. Um, so I think we have to entertain the possibility that you know there may be some there may be some relevance to that. Mm. Good words. Anybody else? An old soul is uh, what they the old adage. Um, anybody else believe that we've been here before? Or your child has been here before. No, not me. I mean, I, I I don't um I know I know it's an example of it in the Bible, but I never really visited that or or believed that when I see a um 
a young person who seems to be a little bit that that has a, an old soul seems to be a little wise for his age um like like the brother who was just speaking i kind of you know I, I might think of it like that at this time like then this person has been here before cuz they just wise beyond their years but not really i don't really think that much you know off, i don't think that often Yeah, and you, you, Malcolm, you talked earlier about uh, physics, and Harry was talking about science. And theosophy is the cosmic principle in which each person is rewarded or punished in one incarnation according to that person's deeds in the previous incarnation. And in Hinduism, Buddhism, um, Jainism, they believe that actions bring upon oneself inevitable results, good or bad, either in this life or in a reincarnation. So, and they get into the laws of nature and those sort of things as well. Um, does anybody know what reincarnation is? How would you define reincarnation in your own words? What does that mean? It means re- life recreated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's basically the individual soul survives and is reincarnated into another body. So, Harry, do you believe that your grandfather is reincarnated through your son? I mean, I think it's possible. I think it's possible. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that it isn't impossible. I just think that there's a there's a possibility there. I mean, I don't really spend a lot of time like thinking that that happened, but I think that there is a possibility just based on the time in which they were born in relation to my grandfather's each each one of my grandfather's deaths. You know what I'm saying? I think spiritually. All of our ancestors lived through us in some way, shape, or form. And so, I mean, they're, they're always reincarnated through us, you know, spiritually um, based on, you know, their deeds and, you know, their belief system and, and what have you. Um, but also, you know, some of the other things that I've, that I've read to throw another quote-unquote monkey wrench into that, if you look at that movie called Inception, you know, we're talking about different layers of the dream and how they talk about how life, you know, life is a dream and that when you you pass on, you actually wake up to another dream and that each dream is on its own time-space continuum. So you may, you may age faster on another level of the dream, but when you wake up, you know, you may be, you know, six, seven years old or 30 or or an old man, just depending on what level in the dream that you're in. Um, and I say that to say that, you know, all of us have dreams, and all of us have dreams that are real. But, we, you know, how do we know that we're not dreaming right now and we're asleep in another body? You know what I mean? It's just Those are just some things that I think that, you know, there are some possibilities out there because I've had some dreams that have been very real, and I have to wake up and think, wow really have happened, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and reincarnation is um, connected with the idea that after the soul has fulfilled its destiny or learned life lessons or whatever, then it reverts to a divine status or something. And getting to actually defining karma, um, you know, karma is the Hindu, Buddhist, Sikh, Jainist belief that either through a deity or the laws of nature, good acts bring blessings and harmful acts bring curses. Pretty much what we've been talking about um, the whole time. So our choices control our destiny and our actions have direct percussions. So karma is a spiritual or theological concept that's found in the Buddhist and Hindu religions. And it's the idea that how you live your life will determine the quality of life you will have after reincarnation. Well, so, when you, you know, when you first ahead. started this show, you were um, asking a question, and um, immediately uh, my mind went to the brother we had on, a, I think it was a few weeks back, um, the brother Mitch, who had married that lady who was just accused him of doing uh, raping his daughter, or, I mean, uh, fondling his daughter. You remember that, that guy we were talking to the, uh, a few weeks back? Yeah, he's on tonight. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's on tonight? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> to me, I, what I, okay, if he's on, is it, that's good, because... Um, what you just said about karma being, um, you know, your your good acts will bring um, basically good fortune and your bad acts will bring curses, what, what did he do but make a bad decision? Like, how did he deserve that? I don't know what it, The only action that could correlate deserving that would be that he just made a bad decision. And as a result of making a bad decision, he deserved what he got. Mm. Unless he did horrible things to somebody before he got married. Mm. I let him tell it. Mitch, you want to respond to that? Yeah. Um, I had to look at my phone, make sure it wasn't muted. Um, I, I believe, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, personally, as I look back, I believe that I went through what I did, because, and it was because of an action or an inaction. I ignored red flags that um that came up early on that w- should have served as warnings that look wait a minute you need to it, it, you know slow down and, and take a, a good long look here this this is not good for you but i pressed on so i had to i made a decision to to keep going so i had to kind of drink of that cup but you know I, and i'm a christian i believe that, that god will use anything to um to strengthen us to teach us and to draw us near to him so that's what he used in my case, to draw me near to him. And um, just kind of another uh, little twist to that, um, even though my my ex-wife was doing all this stuff during the marriage and and even more after the the marriage during the divorce, I chose not to lash out at her. You know, I've, I've never attacked her, never talked bad about her to the kids, never done any of that. I've done what I was supposed to do. The courts have me paying all this money, doing all this stuff. I've done it. So I believe 
as long in that, that choice, I, I decided to stay on, take the high road, to stay on this this straight path, and that's going to get get me quicker to what where I'm supposed to be. Now, if I stop and lash out at her, or you know, try to do uh, pay her back in kind, then I've stepped off of that, and then I'm I'm I, I can be uh, be paid back, or I can uh, suffer the consequences of losing focus and, and getting embroiled in this silliness, you know. So I just choose to keep going, um, but it, I think there was a, a choice. Um, I, I chose to ignore stuff, and I kept going, so I had to, had to um, a fool rush in where the angels fear to tread. I, I rushed in, and I, I paid the price for that, I think. So in your mind, you believe that you deserve that, since we're talking about karma, you deserve that karma? I don't okay. think I deserve. Well, I think I, I, I de- well, yeah, I guess deserve is a good word because the, I believe the warnings were there, and I chose not to heed them. So if the, if people are saying the bridge is out, the bridge is out, you know, turn around. I say, ah, oh, forget about it. I'm going ahead. Then you, 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 uh, you got to reap the the consequences of your action. You go over that cliff into the into the the, the river or whatever. So. You know, I deserve what happened in a sense. I mean, I, I didn't do it. Nobody really deserves somebody to accuse them of that and to, t- to take them through all that. But I, I guess I kind of opened myself up to it because I didn't I didn't do the wise thing and heed the warnings, and I kept on going through. Because in my mind, I guess the only way, the, uh, the way to apply, I'm trying to uh, make a par- get a parallel in my brain to an individual that intentionally does something harmful to somebody and they get karma back. But I guess to parallel that would be for you not to protect yourself meaning means you did something intentionally to yourself, so there has to be karma, a karma consequence to that as well. Would you see that as the parallel to an individual actually doing something to somebody? It's just as bad as you allowing something to happen to yourself? Yeah, I guess if you, if you could take it at the very base level, you you didn't um, do the due diligence, you know. You should have done this. That would have, that would eliminate all this nonsense. But you didn't do it. So then you know you you got to deal with it. Or you know you should have treated this person right, but you didn't. You treat them this way. So now you know this stuff is going to come back to to visit you. There there um, consequences to your actions. So I think there there, there is a parallel. It may seem kind of kind of far fetched when you have to twist it this way or whatever for it to all uh, link up. But uh, at the very base of it, if there was one action that was done at the very beginning, and, and on my part, which was just say, "Wait a minute, this is it for me. I'm done. Let me get out of here." Then that thing wouldn't happen to me. But they're still mm-hmm. not the same, though. I, I think yours is more a cause and effect, a, a, a physical cause and effect, or physics type cause and effect, whereas um, what what Rodney just described is a spiritual that is going to seek you out. Even if you got away with it that year for you, it's going to actually find you, and you're going to pay for it through means outside of your literal actions. Okay. Mm. I see what you're saying. Yeah, and karma is based on the theological belief of reincarnation. But does the Bible support the idea of reincarnation? Yes or no? 
There's an example of it. I'm sorry. Go ahead, bro. No, no, you go ahead, buddy. Yeah, there's an example of it. John the Baptist um, had the spirit of Elijah in him. He actually caught the Holy Spirit while he was a while he was in her a fetus in his mother's belly. So that that's an example of incarnation in the Bible. Go ahead, Mitch. I'm I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm think on that. Um, I think I, I should have prefaced the, it. I think I should have prefaced it with. This is a monkey wrench. <laughs> Go ahead, Mitch. Yeah, I, I, I know that uh, the Bible speaks often about being filled filled with a spirit, um, but does that spirit come to stay? Is that is was John the Baptist? Was that his? Was that his spirit? You know, throughout yeah, John the, the Baptist, the, according the to the Bible, has the spirit of Elijah in him through life. I tell you what, what gives me a, a, a moment of pause here is the scripture to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That when we when our soul leaves our body, then we're with with God. Now somebody can come and say, well, it doesn't say that it doesn't go back and go into somebody else. You know, I don't know. I I just uh, you have to interpret that. But I just for me, I think you know, scripture says that that the, the Lord knew us before we were formed. We were spirit bodies waiting to be born, and he knew us, and he had a plan for us. And then when we were born into this earth, the spirit was placed in our bodies. But when our time on earth is, is over and we're called home, then that spirit is released um, and it's, it's with God. Um, now, I, I, don't, I don't have a definitive answer on it. Um, I'm just, that's just my, my, my belief, the way I was, I've been thinking about it. But I don't know. I, I guess... You have to decide what you're going to believe. I just don't believe that people can be born and then later on they can come back and as someone else. And I just, I just don't believe that. Yeah, because um, I, what, I, what happens? I, I, oh, go ahead, Harry. Go ahead, Harry. Yeah. Well, what I would tell you is like, um, you know, when uh, Jesus was talking to the um, one of his disciples, he said that. Um, who do they say that I am? And it says, some say that you are Elijah. So, and, and it goes on, and they have a discourse back and forth. Um, that, is, that, that is an example that there was a concept of reincarnation during that time of the Bible, and that all the concepts or beliefs or, you know, dogmas or doctrine. Um, were passed on because if you understand how the Bible was created, um, it was written, a lot of the books were written after Jesus, you know, ascended into heaven, if you believe that. And then um, then there was a council of Nicaea um, that was in um, 332 A.D. that they basically um, came up with a um, an approved version of the Bible. And then... At that particular time, the only the people that were literate that could read, and it was only when King James Version was created, um, when people became literate and the masses could start to read. So, over that period of time, um, there's probably been different interpretations of whether or not reincarnation or other concepts were present um, in the Bible, 
But if I go, if I reference that scripture and other scriptures, there are many scriptures where people in the Bible have dialogued in their stories and that have said, you are such and such, and these are people that have existed prior to that person's existence in the Bible. So I think the idea of reincarnation was prevalent. It's just not taught in 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 modern day church. You know, we you they either teach you tithe and you'll get rich or you know <laughs> or or they teach you don't backslide or you're going to hell. I mean that's I mean that's that's basically the split in the church right now. You know what I'm saying? So but they don't get into topics that we're talking about today and try to say, okay, let's not look at what the Bible says literally, but let's understand what the what, what are they saying. What's the breakdown of the words that they're saying? What's the etymology of the words? You know what I'm saying? Like most people don't know, they saying Jesus and Joshua and all these words, but the letter J has only been in existence for like 500 years. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, there 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 are a lot of things that I think that we don't expose ourselves because we want to keep ourselves within the four walls of what's been taught to us instead of going out and studying and corresponding to what we've been taught to other things. So anyway, sorry for the soapbox. Yeah, yeah, but with that, um, Harry, and I'll make it very very basic. What what happens when we die? Just I mean, just real basic. You gotta get soapboxy or what okay. happens what, what, to our body? What I believe. Yeah. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, I believe I believe if you if you've learned your lesson and you know you go back and you um you be become part of the universe. I mean you retain your consciousness but you become you know, part of the universe, and I guess that's heaven. But if you don't, if you don't learn your lesson, I think you keep going. I think you keep coming back and born again and again until you learn your lesson. And I think that cycle of being born over and over and over again is actually hell. And the reason why I say that is because you know they call hell the lake of fire. But what does fire does? Fire purifies things. So when you go through these things over and over again, you're going through a purification process, okay? They also say hell is a place of gnashing of teeth. Now, when you gnash your teeth, you're basically frustrated or you're you're grinding things out. Again, that's another purification process. So I think when we look at things, what they are, I think we've got to look at them what they may mean symbolically, not literally what they actually are. And so I think... Coming to Earth is is hell. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you ask people in Ferguson, um, Missouri, they probably living in hell right now. You know, somebody that's you know they going through situations with their their spouse or their health or their children, whether voluntarily or involuntarily, they're going through a hell, but they're going through a purification process because, like the brother said, anything that you go through. You should be trying to learn something through that process, either about you or about just the world in general. Good words. Anybody else want to take a stab at that? What so what so, happens so what when you're we saying die? is so what you're saying is it's sort of like a hell on earth. 
Yes. Harry? Yes. Okay. So what happens when the body expires? What happens when there is no more earth? What happens I mean, that's, I think, I think the, 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 that's kind of when our limited point of thinking to say that this is the only place where humans <laughs> inhabit in this whole universe. I mean, the universe is vast. I can't, I'm not, I can't, I'm not going to be uh, presumptuous to think that this is the only place where humans um, can manifest their existence. Okay, so so then when the funeral is over and they put the body in the ground, then we go to another part of the universe maybe? No, I think, or we come back into this existence. As someone else. Yes, as someone else. Or you can, or there are some people believe that we come back as the same person, and that's the that's how we um, come up with the, the the concept of deja vu. You know, I mean, I I have deja vu quite frequently, to be honest with you. Um, and okay, so we talked about the, the hell on earth, mm-hmm. but does heaven play a part, or does it exist? I mean, I think heaven is a state of mind. So you can have one without the other. So you can have the uh, you can have the person that's living in the, the the. I'm just trying to understand you. So you can have the person that's living in hell, but there's no heaven. It's just a state of mind. So I guess if you're having a good day, that's the state you're in. Yeah, I think you well, can be. I, th- I think you can Correct. be in it. I think you can be be in hell and heaven at the same time. It just it just depends on what your frame of reference is. I mean, I think you know most people um, operate from a, a a position of pleasure and pain. Okay, that's that's our primary reinforcement. But what I've come to learn is you got to operate in 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 a in a mind frame of joy and peace. And what that means is. Um, if even in, in, in dark situations, you need to be able to maintain a peaceful disposition. It may not, I'm not saying that you like your situation, but you know how, like, um, like you, hear, you hear a lot of people on their deathbed say, I'm at peace. I'm sure they don't want to die, but they're, 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 they're at a certain calm in their disposition at that particular point in time. Hey, gotcha. D, gotcha. D, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tony. Uh, no, no, I just real quick. Go ahead, go ahead. Do you believe in in God and more specifically Jesus Christ? Um, I'm going to say yes, but not the way that, in which you believe it. But you believe heaven and hell is a state of mind. Um, yeah, more or less. I, I, I think it's a, it's a condition that you're in, and they can exist, and they can exist simultaneously. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. You could have had the most horrible day at work, but when you get home and see your wife and kids, a lot of times you'll forget that you had a bad day. That's a, that's an, that's a perfect example of being in hell and heaven at the same time. So a, yeah, a bad but... mood or a horrible experience or a, or an un... Um... 
you know, unwanted experience is what you classify as hell? It could be, absolutely. It's not just a bad day. It could be a bad, it could be whatever you want it to be. I mean, I and I think that's the that's the that's the that's the that's the thing that I've I've come away with at this point in my life is you have to be able to define things for yourself. You can't let a lot of thing people define things for you because then you take on their frame of reference, which you may not even be familiar with. You know what I mean? I think a, the all spiritual books are a guide or barometer for where you are in your spiritual path. So I don't discount anybody's faith or religion because I believe that you're given that. I think you are that word of God, if you will, is revealed to you based on where you are in your in your spiritual past, if you will. Okay. To, to me, though, to think that way, it, it, say if you have 7 billion people on earth, mm-hmm. basically you can have 7 billion realities, not not just one place by God. Is that, well, is mean, that, how, is that how you feel? Yeah. yeah, but that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, you know, there will come a time when people say the church is here or church is there. He said that that's incorrect. The, the the kingdom of heaven is within you and all around you. Well, think about this. Um, Jesus Christ validated the Old Testament. Now, we can, in my opinion, we can just, you know, you can debate about the, the New Testament, but the Old Testament, Jesus Christ was here after that. And he validated that. And God talked about heaven. God talked about hell. And it, God talked about it in the Old Testament differently than what you're talking about it. So that's not good enough for you? Um, I think the Bible is presented by in a way in, in which the author wanted to uh, present it to the reader. That's all I can say. But that I, mean, I, I, I can I can give you that for the New Testament. But what about the Old Testament with that existed? as a complete text by the time Jesus Christ walked the earth? Um, what I would say to that is um, there were uh, Jewish people weren't the only people in existence <laughs> during that time. So you would have to discount the, the, the Indian people that lived. You would have to discount the Chinese people that lived, the Africans that lived, the Egyptians. I mean, we, we have a... We have a we have a uh, a religion that's only worshipped by less than one percent of the population, which is Judaism. That basically is a foundation for Christianity and Judaism, and that basically controls ninety nine point percent of how the world is perceived or gauges all the decisions in the world. Because I mean, you can look at all the wars and stuff like that, but they they have they have some sort of a a, a Christian or religious frame of reference based on a Judeo-Christian Islamic mindset. So um, I think, yeah, the Old Testament was written, but so was the Baghdad Vita. So was, I mean, a lot of the different uh, um, holy books, you know. So I'm not not saying that it's wrong. I mean, yeah, sure, he fulfilled fulfilled it for, I mean, but all prophecies, I mean, if they're the word of God, are going to be fulfilled. 
I got you. I just, I just, I don't, I don't know why you would um, select something that makes sense to you personally, based on your forty years of living here, and um, if you, if you believe in Jesus Christ, I don't know why you would create something that makes sense to you and, and attach yourself to it, as opposed to accepting, you know, uh, at least the Old Testament. Because here, here, I, I'll put it to you this way. Um, any when you when you're given an education, that that's your foundation, okay. But that's not the end all, be all. You're supposed to build on that. You know what I mean? Um, and based on your building, you gotta, you know, you 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 realize things, and you know things come to you from a realization standpoint. Like one of my buddies always would say. You know, truth can't be told. It has to be realized, you know. And that's through experience. I mean, that's through life experience, you know. I mean, I can't, we can go back and forth and say, you know, what the Bible says and how it's interpreted, but it's going to manifest in each one of us differently, you know, if if that's what you choose to read. If you choose to read something else, I mean, that's going to manifest to you differently as well. So I think, you know, we do it. We do a disservice trying to convince each other by, you know, well, this is what this passage says, and this is the way it's interpreted. When at the end of the day, it's all going to be manifest manifested to us differently based on our own experience and what our purpose is in life. Okay. Yeah, and I actually, um, going back to Mitch's comment, I actually agree with Mitch. I think Mitch hit it on the head. Um, because our body is mortal, and y'all know the old adage, you know, we're going to dust the dust. You know, the body, our body is going to go back to the earth. Um, but our soul, our spirit, there's a choice. It either goes to heaven or to hell. And as humans, we only born once and we die once. You know, so the whole idea of reincarnation um, is essentially saying that we get a second chance to get it right. And I don't believe that. I believe we get one shot and then we'll face judgment. And, you know, what I'm driving at, fellas, is that this whole concept of karma is it even compatible with Christianity? You know, because karma, again, is based on the belief of reincarnation. That you didn't learn your life lessons, so you're going to come through another body, a child or something. You know, I don't know. I mean, that's what it's, that's what it's based on, you know, um, that you have a second chance to live a better life or to learn your life lessons. So is that concept even compatible with Christianity? No, not, not in my opinion. Hmm? So how about in a milder sense, Rodney? Yes, go ahead. When you're talking about being born again, Mm. 
<laughs> Talk about it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, I mean, mm-hmm. if, if that, if, if, I mean, it is what it is. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So if we can tie in a little bit of this, a smidget of what Harry was saying. Yes. About experiencing, and I do believe that there's a thing called heaven on earth. I do believe that. Um, and and it speaks of it in the Bible as well. But he kind of threw me threw me a little bit with the hell part, but again, that that's probably something I just don't know about. But in reference to being born again, is it kind of like a reincarnation, but not going mm. into, and they talk about the old man, once you go in that water, you know, the old man is gone, and now the new man is here. You, you know, something to that effect? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. That's strong. I never thought about that. That's strong. That is, that's conceptually the same thing, but it's not literally the same thing that the Hindus were, were talking about. Yeah, I'm not talking about what they're talking about. They talking about <laughs> flesh, flesh gone. You come back as a as something else, and I, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, it is it is a smidgen of you know what Harry was referring to is that there is a quote unquote a rebirth of being born again, but you still get your same body. Like, you could be the old Tony and the new Tony, and, the, and you still have the same body. You look the same, still point you out, you know, in the Walmart. You know, same thing with me, old Rodney, new Rodney, versus old Rodney, new Craig. But listen, you don't, that's the beauty of it. I mean, if you think about it, that's actually the beauty of it. So now you're also getting a redo, but you're getting a redo with the credit, and you're receiving the credit as well, or the Lord is receiving the credit. But so now you got this new you, born again you, in the same body. So that that's the miracle, mm-hmm. opposed to you just being reborn again into another body, and then the two never cross. So nobody knows what happened. So now you you've got your testimony. Well, yeah, this was me before I died, and I was born again, and this is me now. And here's the transformation. Still here. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So what happens to the soul after that point? When the when the when the when the fleshly body actually does go into the dirt. I mean, I think it's soul you know, keeps going. Hmm? I think the soul goes to you know. You've been born again. Say the soul it. goes to heaven. That's what it is. You know? It goes on. Yeah. To, it goes on to be with the Lord. Yes, sir. Well, I know that, and um, that's why, this, and that's why they talk about you got to get it done because you don't want to go in the ground with that fleshly body because that's where you're gonna mm-hmm. stay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. there's um, the scripture t- that talks about uh, when we die, we sleep, and then um, later, when in uh, the New Testament, when we we speak of um, Jesus' return. He, he calls, you know, calls all those who are saved to, to meet him in the sky. First, he calls the dead in Christ, and they they are awakened and they meet him in the sky. And then those who are alive in Christ, then they meet him as well. So, uh, it seems to say that once you die, you go to a period of sleep, and then then you are awakened 
at the end of times, and then you 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 go on to heaven at that point. Um, yeah, I, 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 this is what I would say. There's there's a Bible that you can get. It's called a companion Bible. I have a copy. It's like fifty bucks. You can get it from Amazon. And there, it breaks down all of those things that um, you know. It's it's like a it's like a Bible reference on steroids. I kid you not. But a lot of the things that they talk about in in, in there is a lot of the things that are referenced in the Bible are from a very symbolic type of nature, and it's not like literally. You know what I'm saying? So I think a lot of times we don't step out and try to read something that may challenge us a little bit in our spiritual walk. But, um, I mean, if you th- if you think about it, um, in order for an athlete to get better, I mean, I use that as a as a as a you know kind of a symbolic allegory. If an athlete is going to get better, he may have to change uh, the way he practices, the way he plays, or whatever. So, for example, RT three, he can't play the way he played at Baylor because he won't last that long in the NFL. So, in order for him to last long, he has to change up the way he plays. You follow me? Still playing football or what have you, but he changed the way he plays. You know what I mean? Like a football team, if they have a coach that's not winning, they bring in a new coach with a different playbook. They may have the same personnel, but it's a di- if it's a different playbook. And I think that's a, you know, they say sports imitates life a lot of times. I think that's the one thing that we got to do is be able to challenge ourselves with our belief system and just say, okay, yeah, it says this right here. I'm reading it or whatever. But if you if you don't have a point of reference, like why the author wrote it the way he wrote it, you know, what does that symbolically mean? Um, is there a, is there a different way to to look at that than um, than you know you're going to be you know we're going to have these debates because there are people that that have read other things like I mean like the biggest thing that I think of is like when they talk about the um, when they talk about the apocalypse yeah the apocalypse is going to happen or whatever you know what the apocalypse means. It means to reveal. That's all it means. It doesn't mean like the world's going to come to an end. It just simply means things are going to be revealed to us, either personally or universally. And so if you don't understand the words you're reading, then you're doing yourself a disservice because you're not getting the full definition of what uh, that spiritual uh, system is trying to convey. But if if um, if we we take the Bible and people say it's it's just a book that was written by men, and then we take another Bible that's written by men, how does that give us understanding? I believe that um, Holy Spirit is 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 what reveals truth to us. Uh, we don't have the capacity to understand because at at this point everything is by faith. We're reading a book that was written thousands of years ago, but it's Holy Spirit that reveals truth to us. But you got to be in a position where you're going to you know, you're not. Things are not going to be explained to us 100, percent you know, clearly at this point, and and you know, on this side of of heaven, I believe. I yeah, believe I mean, I, 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 
and I and I completely agree. I completely agree, but that should not step your your thirst for knowledge and understanding at the same time. You know. No, I mean, no. You you study to show I mean, yourself approved. Continue to 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 eat of that word. Um, but I just don't think that we're going to ever understand completely. Uh, we we have a complete hundred percent understanding of everything that happened and everything that's going to happen because some of that has to come by faith. I believe. Okay. I mean, like I said, things have to be real revealed to different people differently. You know what I'm saying? And and that might be your – that's the thing that I think most people are going to realize is that this is a big earth. This is a big universe. So you mean to tell me that there's only one system of faith that works in this whole universe. I think, I mean, that's that's like saying, like, there's only one type of gasoline. There's one type of meat. If you eat this type of meat, that's the only type of meat, one piece of fruit. I mean, there are a variety of fruits, meats, all different types of things that you can eat. You know, I, I just I just think that you can't. T- I, I will never I will never say to you what you believe is wrong, because it's not. You believe what you believe based on your life experiences and what you've been exposed to and what you and what you read and what more importantly what's been revealed to you. You know what I'm saying? And so I'll never say I, I'll never say you know I'm never I'll never say I'll never say to anyone yeah what your what you believe is wrong. What I what I do is. I listen to what people say and just say, like, man, you know, if it's something that I can use, great. I mean, if it's something that I can't use, I mean, then uh, you know, I just won't use it. But I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna discount um, a person what what somebody has shared with me because you know I believe that um, that there's a purpose for me to hear anything what people has what people have to say, you know. I'm never, I'm never gonna discount it. Well, well, let me say this to you, Harry. And I'm not gonna dance around it. All the how big this galaxy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there is one God. That's what I believe. I don't okay. care how big the galaxy is, how big the universe is, or whatever it is. There's one God that created it. Period. Mm-hmm. And that's what I believe. You know, I man. Okay. I understand that for some people. You know, they want to think that, yeah, but it can't be because it's so big. It's got to be too many. No, I'm going to worship the one that I believe in, and that, that's it. Right. Yeah, and just making it real basic again, um, what about reaping and sowing? Um, when do you get your reward, you know, when it talks about the rewards, um, when it comes to reaping and sowing? When do, you, when do we get our reward, when we reap and when we sow good things? I think the reward is in um how can I say this um, it's the feeling that you receive by doing good mhm mhm it it's 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 the it's the it's the it's the feeling that you receive by being obedient. let me say that think that you do good. It's not when you stand up and say, look what I did, man. Guess what I did? I just helped this person. No, that's not what it is. 
It's the fact that you know that you did it, you were obedient, and and it's a private thing between you and him. That's your reward. Okay. So you get it in this lifetime, right? Yeah, I'm talking about the instant reward. Because if you don't see it, you don't see it because there's there's no reward. If you're looking for it somewhere else, like if Mm -hmm. you're looking for a check, there's no reward because it's not about the money. Mm. Look for a trophy, there's no reward. But if you want to know that you have stacked up your chips for later and that you're doing what you're supposed to do now, I think that's reward. Just like they talk about in the Bible, you know, when people stand out in the churches and they pray all loud and so people can hear them, that's their reward, meaning that's it. You reward yeah. yourself by letting people think that you're extra holy. That's your reward, opposed to going in your closet and being reward. Praying to the Lord in private, and He'll reward you in the open. That's all I'm saying. So I just think that it's a, it's a, like how it was, it's a state of mind, somewhat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, but basically, clarifying what you're saying is that there's a feeling you get in this lifetime, and there's also another reward. You talk about stacking up your chips. So, are you saying like it's a double reward if you? Reap and sow, you know, good things. You get some now. You get those feelings now, those those good feelings now. And then later on, as your soul goes on, you still get another reward? I don't know. I don't know that part. You see what I'm saying? Because gotcha. from what from what I'm understand I'm understanding my salvation has has assured me a spot, a seat. Regardless. Yeah. You follow what I'm saying? Yes. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing mm-hmm. that I can do at this point for that. That's handled. But what I'm talking about is the reward right now that I may receive. And that's the state yeah. of mind that I received that I've done what I was supposed to do by being obedient. Yeah, and you were you were divorced, right? Yeah. So when as it relates to karma um, briefly explain the bad karma and the good karma, even though it really don't, it's really not compatible, but just for the sake of argument, that re- was a direct result of your divorce. And you can start with the bad and then finish off with the good. Um, that's a difficult one. <laughs> The bad should be easy. Yeah, it's so difficult. Um, <laughs> well, give me the good. Just give me the good then. Give me the good that was good karma that was a direct result of your divorce. And I'll give you a hint. You were talking about obedience. After you, so, so, hold on a second. So what you're saying is before the divorce or after the divorce? After the divorce. Because of the divorce. Post-divorce. Yes, sir. Okay. So you're talking about what we're doing here on Tuesday? Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) You're talking about that I kind of have the same testimony that Andrew has where I'm married to the woman that I've only, the first woman that I've only been faithful to my entire existence. Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 
You know, so that, I mean, that's definitely good karma, you know. Um, the bad karma is difficult because there, there was a lot of it. And it was coming from all directions. Yeah. But the bad karma, I can't dismiss it because the bad karma is what birthed the good karma. Mm, exactly. So something that had to happen. I mean, that's in my life. It had to happen. It was enough there. It had, I can't look back and say, man, I was a horrible person. Why did I do these things? Why did she do those things? No, they had to happen in order for the next chapter to begin. Mm. And with that being said, um, we kind of really, I think you can really minimize bad karma to not really being anything significantly bad because ultimately, I guess if you are a strong person or a person that can learn from his mistakes, ultimately it births life. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I think I think you said it earlier when you were asked a question about making a bad financial decision and you said it was a learning experience. And I think that speaks volumes to the things that we experience in life. You know what I mean? Either it's going to kill us, take us out of the game, or we're going to get stronger. Period. And if we get mm. stronger, you know what I mean? Then they're going to have to build something stronger to come at us with the next time. You know what I'm saying? Because there's always going to be something thrown. There's always going to be a block. There's always going to be a, uh, you know, uh, somebody trying to trick you up. There's always going to be something that's going to be thrown in your way. And we have to figure out a way to overcome that. And that's that bad karma. It doesn't go away. Some of y'all might have bad karma in the morning when somebody's sitting at the red light and the light turns green and they're still sitting there and you're right behind them. You know, man, get out of the way. You know, it's just, it's going to happen. And we got to, but go ahead. I don't want to ramble. Go ahead. What I was going to ask you, so now you're um, you're, you're happily married. You love love your wife now. Um, This is the woman that you're going to be with the rest of your life. Um, do you think that all the other stuff was necessary? To, was necessary, um, almost fate. I would say yes. I would say in my life, yes. So could it be called and, bad karma at all? I mean, it could be called bad karma. It could. Be, I mean, I don't know. It could be called bad decisions. It could be called, you know, um, being weak. I mean, there's so many names for it. That's why I said it's difficult. It could just be, like you say, a learning experience. You know what I'm saying? But those things, the, all the things, let's just say some of the things that I've done had a reaction, had an adverse effect. So I see the effect that it happened on the person that I did it to. So now I know what happens when you do certain things. So now I know not to go. That's like, you know, you tell a child that stove is hot, and they press it anyway. You know, you don't have to tell them again that the stove is hot because they know the reaction, you know, the consequence of their reaction. Well, I know from trial and error the things that I've done to one person. So I, so if I value this person, I can't do those things. You know what I'm saying? So it kind of has to be a learning experience to figure out, okay, well, you know, if you go through this door, what happens? Well, I got a chance to go through the door. And it wasn't good. So now I know I can't go through that door ever again. That makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So is anybody familiar 
with Romans 8 and 28. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, are called according to his purposes. How many things, brother? You said what things? All things. All things. Say it again. All All things. things. One more time. All things. Uh, Yeah, I I just wanted to make that clear. I think a lot of people miss that. Because just as as Tony said, the bad stuff had a purpose. Whether you want to call it karma or this or that, it played a role. Played a role. We don't we don't change until we're uncomfortable. When we're comfortable, we don't change. We stay right where we are. Mm-hmm. I mean, I yeah, think that's... about sitting in your easy chair, you got your remote control and your your drink. But when that remote control stops working, then you got to get up and you got to you got to make some changes. But otherwise, in your state of comfort, you're not going to make any change. You don't have the motivation to do so. Yeah, and that's why that's why I said to I mean my the statement that I made earlier about being able to, you know, you know, think outside the box or go go outside your square, um, because, um, like I said to my, like, uh, some of y'all may know my dad was a, a pastor of a church. I was raised Christian. I know a lot, a lot about the Bible, and I mean, I, I'm, I read it, studied it, and whatever. But I said to myself. I'm willing because you know, like you say, if if something's going to stand, it's you know on its own, it should be able to stand up against anything. So I said to myself, I'm willing to go and look at anything, even if it leads me back to where I started. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, everything is about that. Life is about experience. You know, and you learn from your experience, whether it's karma, cause and effect, whatever the case may be. And so that's why, you know, like you said, being in your being in your comfort zone. I think most people, I think ninety five percent of people in the world are in, live in a comfort zone. They don't want to challenge themselves. They don't want to. They don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to turn over that the apple cart. But that's the only way you're gonna grow. You know what I'm saying? You can't. You ain't gonna. If you're if you're if you're a, a grown man, you ain't wearing extra smalls. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let me say something to you. Let me ask you a question, brother. You, you ain't wearing extra smalls. You you gonna you gonna graduate if you um if you um if you go to work in you know the the uh, culturally accepted you know code of dresses to wear a suit. You're not going to still show up with an RG3 jersey on. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to show up with, you know, things that don't belong in that particular place and time. So that's what I'm saying. You know, it's 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 easy to to stay within your box and, and it's it's comfortable. Push yourself even within the you know shift sand within the sandbox. But I, you know, my thing is what I've learned. In, in my in my journey, is that all this stuff corresponds to one another. You just got to have the eyes to see it. 
if if um you said something and I think it's a it's a it's a subtle distinction but it's a it's a it's a, a huge distinction. Mm-hmm. Um and and I and I can respect that you know everybody has their own opinion what you said and you'll never say nobody's is wrong and I can respect that. Mm-hmm. Um you said that life is made up of is uh life is about experiences. Mm-hmm. Right? Um I disagree with that at least in my opinion I think life because of my beliefs is about salvation. I think life is made up of experiences. And and to say that life is about experiences um can kind of lead you the wrong way. That can lead you to believe whatever you whatever makes sense to you personally as opposed to accepting maybe something that's been around for years and years and years. So with that being said, anybody can come up with any reality. So so to me, life is not about experiences. It's more so made up of experiences. Life is about <laughs> what happens to you after you die if you believe in God or if you believe in a God. Yeah, but, you know, my, my dad used to say this thing. This, a lot of church folks are so heavily minded, minded they ain't no earthly good. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, we're so focused on what we need to do what we need to do to get to heaven that we don't really realize what we need to do to get to heaven is based on what we do here on earth. You know what I'm saying? And How I think do you all of, we don't realize that. Huh? How do you I never say I never say you did. I never say I never say you did. I mean, well, how do you how do you you say well, not me personally, but how do you think people don't realize that when all they have is life on earth? Um, because they, I mean, a lot of people put all their hopes on, um, like, like I, like I look at some ethnics, like for for example, I know we we're supposed to get racial on this show, but I look at the, the condition of black people. Black people are some of the most religious people on the planet. Okay, but. Nah, 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 nah. Latinos, Latinos got to okay. speak, brother. Okay. Well, yeah. Look at yeah. Latinos. You can, you can, yeah. even more, even more example. You can look at the condition of both Latinos and blacks. You know, I think they're both very religious um, ethnicities, but in comparison to our condition, I mean. We're, we're, I would say both Latinos and Blacks are in a pretty sad state when it comes when, when comparison to other, you know, Chinese, Middle Easterners, you know, whites, Europeans, and what have you. You see what I'm saying? So I say that to say is that at some point you got to question what your belief system is. Who gave you your belief system? And what the purpose of that belief system, you know, for them to give it to you. You know what I'm saying? So I just, I mean, to me, I'm just all about, it's, it's, you know, you know, being able to be wise, to seek knowledge, to seek wisdom, no matter where it comes from. You know, I'm not going to, like I said, you're going to believe the way that you believe, I'm a believe the way I'm a believe Rodney 
all these other folks, they're going to believe it. But at the end of the day, that's our frame of reference to what we use to, to guide our lives. And so, I mean, all of us are trying to figure, I think a lot of times, it's, it's, you know, we're trying to say, okay, what's going to be the best way for us to get in heaven? Because I don't want to, you know, mess up. I mean, especially if, if you, you know, based on what Rodney said, if you believe that this is your one shot, then your decisions on earth become, you know, very, you know, it's almost binary in a lot of cases. Like it's either, you know, you either make the right decision or you don't. And what I'm saying is decisions are, are can sometimes be, uh, based on what the, the situation is. Yes, there are right decisions and there are wrong decisions, but oftentimes we may make decisions in some circumstances that we may not make in other circumstances, and they all come with their particular outcomes and effect. But I can't, I'm not going to say to you unless, you, unless you do something heinous or wrong, I can never say to you that decision was bad. Because we all got our own lesson to learn. You're saying I, you got sure everybody has their own lesson to learn. And I, like I said, you asked me, do, do I believe in God and Jesus? I say yes, but not the way that you do. Okay, not the way that most Christians believe it. I have my own concept that with far exceed the time that we're allowed here on, on blog talk. But at the same token. I think all of us, we're all seeking the same. We just, everybody has been given uh, a path. You can either take the right-hand path, the left-hand path, or you can go right in the middle and cut your own path. I choose to cut my own path because it's a lot more exciting. Yeah, and you talked about um, what we need to do to get into heaven. Mm -hmm. And, you know, karma believes that our good can outweigh our bad, right? Okay. But what does the Bible say about how our good works are like? About what? How our good works are like. How they are like? Yeah. They said that our good works are like filthy rags. I got, I got, I got. I, I knew, it, I knew it's filthy. This is, this is what I'm going to say about that. Yep. That since you know, symbolically, a filthy rag is something that's been used. It's something that's been tested. I mean, if you look at a clean rag, it ain't done nothing. It just, it just sat up in the closet, sat up in the drawer. It ain't been put to use. But if you look at a filthy rag, that means, you know, God has been able to trust you with, you know, cleaning up some mess sometimes or being able to put you to work, you know. I don't think we ought to just look at filthy rags as something that we toss away. I mean, I got plenty of filthy rags in, 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 my, in my drawer, but, I, you know, I put some soap on them and wash them up real good and I use them again, you know. Wait a minute. Why Why would you do that? Why would you put soap on? Why, you know, why would you Why would you clean it? I mean, because you got to use soap for to clean, right? 
<laughs> yeah, but why would you clean it? If it's cool, filthy, if that shows that, you know, you no, put some I, work. No, 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 what I'm saying is, I said, like, if you have a, if you have a rag in your, in your sink, like everybody has a rag they've used before. They probably yeah. have a couple of stain on it again. But what I'm saying is, I mean, you could, you don't have to put soap on it. I mean, it, it may have enough suds in it already where you just need to add some water to it, and you can still use to clean your pots and pans or clean the floor or whatnot. You know, I, hey, I hold, hold that thought. We, we're gone. Our time is up. All right, <laughs> All right, y'all. Good chat, man. I'll let y'all later on.